Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You are shooting people. Killing. You are shooting. In millions. Recorded. Recorded. Live. live. And Zellman's conclusion is that, from his perspective as a Jew, he didn't want people to lose their guns because he understood that the Holocaust, whatever happened, in terms of marching Jews off to concentration camps and exterminating Jews in Nazi Germany, it was preceded by gun control measures that removed guns from the hands of the public. The Jews had no way to defend themselves against the Nazis, and therefore they had no choice other than to get into the boxcars, go to the camps, and ultimately die. Hmm? The same thing is showing up in this recent study that indicates, look, more people are getting concealed carry permits, and instead of having an increase in the number of fatalities in this country, we have a significant decrease, all of which is good for gun uh, rights, people like myself and probably most of the people in this audience. There's another one, brash and belligerent. Donald Trump comes out on top of Republican polls, Washington Times. Since entering the presidential race, Donald Trump has been Godzilla in a China shop, attacking Republicans and Democrats alike, stirring the national debate. <laughs> and according to a poll released Tuesday, soaring to the head of a crowded Republican field of candidates. In the nationwide survey, Trump leads at 17 percent, and former Governor Jeb Bush is at second at 14%, the only competitors to reach double digits. Trump's edge is more is one more sign that his harsh rhetoric about immigration and toward the, uh, his rivals has struck a chord with some voters. Yeah, it sure has. He's going to be hard to unseat. Unless he does something completely stupid, it's going to be hard. We've got he's running, Jeb Bush is running, and we've got a dozen other people or more who are running in the Republican primary. How will that dozen uh, distinguish themselves to stand out to where they can compete with Trump? I mean, Bush, Jeb Bush is not really, to my mind, how hard is it to, keep, to compete with Jeb Bush? He's not really an inspiring speaker. He's not a motivating personality, the rest of that sort of thing. He's got nothing going for him other than the fact that it would be cute to have his dad be number 41 in the presidency and his brother 43, and he'd be number 45. It would make for a great family uh, legacy. It might not do the American people any good, but it would be an interesting family legacy. Other than that, what's he got for us? Nothing. You know, nothing of interest. We mentioned yesterday that Rand Paul had announced that he was filing a lawsuit. And I saw the news report yesterday. I don't recall the subject of the lawsuit. I don't recall. I don't think it was over Obamacare. But he's suing Obama. Right? Um, well, it's one way to get attention and say that he's for real, too. And I credit this, at least in part, to Mr. Trump. 
Mr. Trump has stood up and become, he has injected some real life into the campaign. It's hard to know how this is going to work out and who's going to win, but he's injected some real life and some real competition. It's not just a beauty contest right now where people will all take turns saying the same platitudes. We're going to see a situation where this is going to be a rough and tumble fight. And if you want to win, you're going to have to actually do something or say something that is controversial and serves the public interests rather than special interests. What else have we got? Sanctuary cities. There's a good one. Yeah, this is Washington Times. Headline is Sanctuary Cities Beyond Federal Control, according to the Department of Homeland Security Chief Judd Johnson. Homeland Security Secretary Jeff, Judd Johnson admitted Tuesday that the administration goofed in releasing an illegal immigrant uh, to Sanctuary City, San Francisco, ahead of a shocking murder earlier this month. But he said there's little the federal government can do to pressure sanctuary communities to change their minds. Okay? As all of you know, uh, Catherine Steinle, a uh, 32-year-old, was killed while walking with her father by some crazy illegal alien. No particular reason. He just killed her. All right. Mr. Johnson has said, Judge Johnson, Department of Homeland Security, says, golly, there's nothing we can do. We can't stop these homelands or these sanctuary cities. That's up to the city. Okay, let's run with that. What can we do with it? All right, first thing we do is if the federal government can't control the sanctuary cities, then it follows that sanctuary cities are under their own control. If they're under their own control, then they are responsible for whatever they choose to do. Highlight the word responsible. If the sanctuary cities are protecting illegal aliens who are, by definition, criminals, and those criminals commit crimes against the lawful inhabitants of the sanctuary cities, then the victims of those crimes should sue the sanctuary city for damages. You know, if you're going to keep, if you're going to keep a bunch of serial killers at your home, and make your place a sanctuary for serial killers, and you kill somebody, and one of them kills somebody in the neighborhood, I think you're responsible for keeping those, those serial killers in your home. You should be sued. We shouldn't wait for the federal government to remove the criminal aliens. The government never will. They want them in here. They, the, feds, the feds aren't going to do anything to get the, the illegals out of here unless they are pressured hard by somebody like you, me, and Donald Trump. Well, you could sue if you're a victim. You're victimized. Turns out an illegal alien killed your daughter. An illegal alien robbed your house, stole your car. Insofar as you can identify that, and you happen to be in a sanctuary city, you can sit back and say, listen, all right, we're going to sue you guys. If enough people simply sue the sanctuary cities for their responsibility, for allowing criminals, encouraging criminals to come into town, and we start generating some big judgments against those sanctuary cities, the problem with illegal aliens flocking to sanctuary cities would be extinguished. I don't know how much Mr. Steinle can sue San Francisco for, for the death of his daughter, but let's suppose he sued for $100 million. Let's suppose somebody said, okay, the jury said, let's give him $20 million. How much longer do you suppose San Francisco would continue as a sanctuary city for illegal aliens? I don't think it would last much longer. Let's take a break for more commercials. I'm Alfred Addis. I'll be right back. Please stay tuned.
have a heart condition and emergency rooms and medical doctors are not an option, you need our emergency heart attack kit. Five concentrated liquid formulas enter the system in 60 seconds to protect your heart muscle, strengthen heartbeat, increase circulation, relieve pain, and make breathing easier. When seconds count, you want all the help you can get with our emergency heart attack kit. Easy to use and portable in a one pound compact kit for your purse, briefcase, or car. Call Apothecary Herbs now for your emergency heart attack kit toll free, 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the three W's.thepowerherbs.com. Since the beginning of the United States, kings have sought it, nations have fought for it. It has been traded, borrowed, purchased, and stolen. There is a reason for it. To secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, invest with the security of gold and silver. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Listen to Financial Survival with your host, Melody Cedarstrom, on American Voice Radio Network and Shortwave Radio. Visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. For the very best in gold and silver trading, call toll-free 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Call now. Back for the last segment of Financial Survival. Today's segment, last segment. Um, here's an article from the New York Times that deals with, that touches on the recent proposed treaty that's been agreed to with Iran. Um, it's going to take a week or two, two days anyway, to see all the details in that treaty before we can begin to assess whether the treaty is very bad news, very good news, modestly bad news, modestly good news. Hard to say what it is just that. And I don't know what it is. I'm not going to try to get into that. But what I want to get into is this. Here's an article from the New York Times, and it says, Iran deal denounced by Netanyahu, Prime Minister of Israel, as historic mistake. Furiously denouncing the accord to limit the, uh, Iran's nuclear program on Tuesday as a historic mistake. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu said that Israel would not be bound by the agreement and warned of negative repercussions in the region region already riven with rivalries and armed conflict. Contrary to President Obama's assertion that the agreement will cut off every pathway for Iran to obtain nuclear weapons, Israel's leader rejected the deal as a dangerous compromise that will exacerbate regional tensions and pave the way over time for Iran to produce multiple atomic bombs, an entire arsenal uh, with the means to deliver it, according to Mr. Netanyahu. Israel views a nuclear-armed Iran as a threat to its survival, 
from Mr. Netanyahu, the accord is a bitter culmination of a long struggle that has severely strained Israel's relation with the United States, its crucial ally. And I think that's the point here. No one really knows what's going to happen or when it's going to happen in relation to the newly proposed treaty with Iran. Will the U.S. Senate and Congress vote to ratify? Probably, but we'll see. Is the treaty a sellout of American interests? Maybe, but not necessarily to an extreme degree. Nobody knows just yet whether or not this is good news or bad news. I can't help wondering if the treaty is more theater than global politics. We'll know better over the course of the next days or weeks after the treaty has been subjected to more rigorous analysis. But one thing seems certain. Regardless of whether the treaty is good for the U.S. or bad, good for Iran or bad, it signals a real change in relationships between the United States and Israel. It seems unlikely that Israel will continue to rely on the United States' friendship and support. It seems unlikely that Israel will continue to trust the United States. It seems unlikely that the United States will continue to publicly treat Israel as a treasure to be protected at any cost. The U.S.-Iranian treaty may not have done much to change U.S. relations with, with Iran, but it's done a great deal to change U.S. relations to Israel. After the treaty was signed, or it's at least proposed, the proposal was signed, Israel's got to feel alienated, isolated, and increasingly vulnerable. Israel will be forced to make new agreements in search of new allies. On balance, if the U.S.-Iranian treaty leaves Israel feeling more isolated and vulnerable, I expect that the Middle East has been rendered less stable by that treaty. That's a big change. The U.S.-Iranian treaty may not do much to change our relationship to Iran, but it may do a lot to change our relationship with Israel. And Israel said they won't even be bound by the treaty. And it, on the face of it, you say, what's that got to do with Israel? Then, of course, but you, you get the idea. I mean, we have alienated Israel to a significant degree. We've caused... Our loyalty, our friendship, whatever we've had for Israel, uh, what, since 1949? 66 years? That's certainly called into question. And Israel has to be thinking, what, what are they going to do next? And Israel is not likely to just sit still. If they have to go it alone, they will. And if they have to go it alone, what will they do? They'll be looking for other. They'll be looking for other allies. They may get one in Saudi Arabia. The Israelis and, and Saudi Arabia, Arabia have begun to work together on a fairly regular basis. They have common, despite the, despite their apparent differences. They have. They both dislike Iran. It's not impossible that we could see something because of this treaty. We might say something evolve from Israel and Saudi Arabia that amounts to an attack on Iran. We'll watch and see. But the big change, the real consequence of this treaty may not be our relationship, may not be a change in our relationship to Iran, but it will almost certainly be a big change in our relationship to Israel. Here's something from the New York Times. It says, a new stream of oil for Iran, but not right away. That's the headline. Good point. 
Good point. With nearly 10% of global oil reserves and 18% of natural gas reserves, Iran is potentially an energy market mover that can compete with producers like Saudi Arabia and Russia. As optimism increased for a nuclear deal, the giants, oil giants like Royal Dutch Shell, Total of France and uh, any uh, of Italy looked for investment opportunities in Iran in recent weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, the nuclear agreement with Iran opens the way for a flood of new oil eventually to pour into world markets, setting up a potential windfall for energy giants. Now, they're talking, when they say a windfall for energy giants, they're talking about Royal Dutch Shell, Total of France, and any of Italy. They, these guys, if they get in, cut a fast deal with Iran, they may be able to make some money. And so for a handful of energy giants, this deal could be extremely profitable because Iran is going to be able to start selling its oil on the international market. And there's going to be big money made. But this is not a windfall for the energy industry. A handful of corporations may make a lot of money off Iran, but most businesses and nations in the oil business We'll see increased oil supplies and therefore lower prices and lower profits. But as the article from the New York Times points out, it will take a year or more before Iran can increase production significantly, delaying any impact on oil prices. So the price of oil, whatever it's doing right now in relation to Iranian oil coming into the market, whatever it's doing is premature. It's going to be a year or so before Iranian oil actually starts to reach the international market, to an, according to this article, to a significant degree. Uh, one of the people who was quoted here says, it's not just a matter of turning on the taps again. They will need some investments and technology. Um, the, the, the oil infrastructure at Iran has been ignored for a couple of decades. While they've been sanctioned, they couldn't sell all their oil, so they didn't maintain all of their oil facilities. Now they're going to have to gear up, and it's going to take some time. So, good point. From my perspective, good article from, from, the, uh, from the New York Times is saying, look, there's going to be an impact on the oil market in particular and energy markets in general. We're just adding to the supply of energy that has to cut prices ultimately, but it's not going to happen right now. Iran's not selling all that extra oil won't go on the market this week, next week, or anytime soon. It's going to probably be a year or more before we see the full impact of the Iranian oil. What else do we have here? I've got, uh, let me see, here's, here's an article that was written by Michael Snyder. And it's entitled, 10 Very Strange Things That Have Happened in Just the Last Few Weeks. And I'm only going to deal with two of these. He had a list of 10. Um, I'm going to talk about just two of them. Number one, the stock market exchange. Back, this would be now two weeks ago or thereabouts. United Airlines and Wall Street Journal were all taken down by an unexpected technical glitches. Okay? Authorities are assuring us that the hackers were not responsible for any of this. You remember this 10 days ago, thereabouts. The market shut for most of the day. Uh, Wall Street Journal was stopped. United Airlines had to ground a bunch of planes for a while. They had a problem. And we are assured hackers were not responsible. 
Well, it was the computer equivalent of a lone gunman. No conspiracy, just just a glitch, or a couple of glitches actually. Got a, had a glitch at the at United Airlines, and a glitch at the New York Stock Exchange, and a glitch at the Wall Street Journal, all on the same day. What are the odds, huh? But they assure us, no, it wasn't the hackers. So there's nothing to see here, folks. Just keep moving along. Come on, move along. You don't have to pay any attention to this. Um, but what we might still wonder, why are the markets so determined to insist that the problem was absolutely, positively not caused by hackers? Let's consider, what if there was evidence that a hacker had intruded into the market computers, New York Stock Exchange? How confident would you be that you could safely invest your wealth in any computer-based investment vehicles? If the hackers have cracked into the New York Stock Exchange, all right, that's bad for business. That's scary. We understand, or certainly believe, that there are forces, significant forces, powers that be, that do manipulate the markets and make certain elements of the market go up or down or sideways. And they're able to manipulate the computers. They do this in, to, to some degree by manipulating the computers or at least buying long, selling short, and so on. Manipulation is possible. Okay, manipulation by the powers that be is possible and perhaps even to some degree predictable, self-serving, contrary to your interests and mine, but still, if you know who's manipulating, if you have a sense of it, you can anticipate the manipulation, you can perhaps take advantage of it. What if the hackers break into the New York Stock Exchange? What if the hackers begin to manipulate the market? Now what? Is it going to go up, going to go down, sideways? What's happening here? Um, it's evidence that the powers that be, if the hackers can break into these computers at the New York Stock Exchange, it's evidence that the powers that be are not really in control. And I suspect that might be, you know, I don't know for a fact that these were not just technical glitches that happened on three major computers at the same, on the same day. Maybe they were just technical glitches. I don't know. That's what they tell us. Maybe it's true. But if they weren't, they become admissions, implied admissions, that people that we think of as being in control are no longer in control. And that does not inspire confidence. What else? Um, I, you know, and we're talking about not just the New York Stock Exchange. They wound up having to grind, ground some planes from United Airlines. Hmm. How do you feel about flying in an airplane? If people can do things to computers on the ground, probably, that cause your plane to land, unscheduled landing, is that, does that inspire confidence? Glitches we can work with, hackers we can't. Here's the next one. There's number three of the list of ten that Michael Snyder provided. He said, just the other day, hackers were able to hack into a German surface-to-air missile battery. All right, now we're talking, all right? This is serious. As Michael Snyder says, this is absolutely terrifying. According to the local hackers, uh, the local newspaper, hackers attacked a German Patriot surface-to-missile, uh, surface-to-air missile battery stationed along the Turkish-Syria Turkish bunker, our border. 
The cyber attack caused the battery to carry out unexplained orders. Unexplained orders for a missile battery? What did they do? Wiggle the fins on the missile? Unexplained orders. I mean, this is certainly dangerous, and it raises concern. You sit back, these are a couple of illustrations. Living in this digital world is potentially dangerous. You know, the whole idea of a digital currency, when if hackers can hack into a missile battery, I guarantee they're not using, uh, you know, Panda or uh, uh, I don't remember any any virus protection program you've like you've ever heard of or you're likely to hear of. A missile can, a missile battery should be pretty well isolated, should be pretty well protected. But they've cracked into them a missile battery. What makes anyone think that they can't crack into an ICBM missile silo? You know, we rely on these computers, and they are extraordinarily efficient, but they are also extraordinarily vulnerable. And it impacts the stock market, airlines, missiles, submarines, and even your banking computers. Insofar as we get caught and we are vulnerable to hackers in any of these computer systems, if you keep your money in a digital format, you got to wonder, is this the safest thing I can do in this day and age? I'm Alfred Addisk. I want to thank you for listening. I'll be back tomorrow with Melody. In the meantime, have a good afternoon, a good day. May the good Lord bless you, me, Melody, and Frank, the producer. Bye-bye. All night I work all day to pay the bills I have to pay. Ain't it sad? Still there never seems to be a single penny left for me. That's too bad. In my dreams, I have a friend. If I got me a wealthy man, I wouldn't have to work at all. I'd fool around and have a ball. American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. have a heart condition and emergency rooms and medical doctors are not an option, you need our emergency heart attack kit. Five concentrated liquid formulas enter the system in 60 seconds to protect your heart muscle, strengthen heartbeat, increase circulation, relieve pain, and make breathing easier. When seconds count, you want all the help you can get with our emergency heart attack kit. Easy to use and portable in a one-pound compact kit for your purse, briefcase, or car. Call Apothecary Herbs now for your emergency heart attack kit toll-free, 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. 
International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the three W's.thepowerherbs.com. Food prices going up, homes being foreclosed, unemployment insurance running out, jobs leaving the country. Many people cannot afford to eat or keep a roof over their head. Too many can do neither. Messiah's Branch has a mission church in Wichita, Kansas that helps the victims of this banker's economy, the American people, your neighbors. The mission is the last hope for so many Americans. We need your help to lift up the poorest of the poor. These are men, women, and children who once had homes, now in the street. They all need what you need. First aid, beds, food, clothing, and so on. You can send a monetary gift or a box of necessities to 230 West 4th Street, Florence, Kansas, 66851. Or donate online by going to wichitahomeless.com. Or simply call 316-619-4886. 316-619-4886. Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Countries have denied Internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. 
No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free to air satellite system from ABR. The ABR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75 centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $149.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541 225 4659. That's 541 225 4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System.
right, good evening all. This is the Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Steffen. You're listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. It is July 15, 2015. It's Wednesday. It's about 8 minutes after 8 p.m. Pacific Time. If that's when it is where you're at, we are, in fact, live. And being live, that means you may participate in the show if you'd like. You don't have to, but you can. Well, I guess if you call in, you have to. 800-932-1980. 800-932-1980. And yes, if you call that, you will have to participate. You'll be on the air and... There you'll be. However, you may participate by going to our chat room, which is located at our website, theamericanvoice.com or americanvoiceradio.com. Look for the chat link, and uh, you'll be in there. Follow the instructions. You know, pick a name, pick a password, and you'll be in there. And the thing is, you don't have to participate if you go in there. You can just go in there and lurk. Nobody likes that, but and I don't know how much fun that is, but you could do that, so you don't have to participate. But you can ask questions and make comments, and I'll see them. And also, uh, you don't have to do that either. If you just want to go in there and chat with other people, you can do that too. And hey, while the call-in number is only available during live shows that accept calls... The chat room is open 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and surprisingly, there's usually somebody in there. I mean, there's times when there isn't, but usually there is somebody in there, which is kind of kind of neat, odd in a way, but neat. Um, you can also contact me separately privately, just me, you, and the NSA sees that, on Yahoo Instant Messenger. My screen name is A-B-R-N Talk. All right. Like I said, it's Wednesday night, and uh, those of you that have been paying attention the last couple of days, I missed a couple of shows. I was uh, really sick, and it was of my own doing, and no, not a hangover, uh, not actually uh I guess it could be kind of a hangover if eating undercooked pork uh, and paying the price for that is a hangover, then yeah, okay. But that's what I did, and uh, it was stupid on my part. And uh, lesson learned on that one, I'll tell you. Do not get in a hurry and think you're just going to slap together some pork and, you know, wolf it down. No, you'll be sorry, let me tell you. You'll be real sorry, and I was. And uh, I will say this, though. Uh, activated charcoal, organic sulfur, vitamin C, and apple cider vinegar, along with uh, baking soda, uh, cut my suffering down to, uh, well, 12 hours of actual really bad and uh, pretty much gone in 24 hours, which is amazingly fast for food poisoning. So keep that in mind, folks, and maybe keep some of those things around your own house, like especially activated charcoal. I got to say, I'm a big fan of vitamin C and uh, and organic sulfur, but when you're poisoned, okay, when you're poisoned, uh, I think activated charcoal is something to, to really have on hand, 
I mean, you know, they use it in hospitals when, uh, you know, the rest of their stuff doesn't work. Anyway, it's Wednesday night, and that means we got Melissa Roxanne on as co-host, and we'll bring Melissa on now. Welcome, Melissa. Thank you. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm glad we happen to have all that stuff on hand, which is another reason why, you know, everybody should stock up on it and have it on hand themselves because you never know, you know, when you're going to need it. Well, Even you know, you, you never take stuff I mean, on a daily basis. Okay, who plans? Like you should. Who who plans on being poisoned? No, it's something that everybody <laughs> should have on hand for well, sure. All of those things. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. I've I'm, told them that for years. Well, actually, you know, the vitamin I I suggest vitamin C, organic sulfur, and even or, apple cider vinegar with baking soda. That you take that on a regular basis, you know, that you have it there so you can have it. Activated charcoal daily, and also, um, what else was it that I'm trying to think? Well, vitamin C, definitely daily, definitely several times a day. I mean, if you're anybody that's really sick, at least this is what I would do. If If I had food poisoning, now that I know what I know, I would probably be taking that, you know, you mean you wouldn't lay there and suffer and try to suck down Pepto-Bismol? <laughs> Years ago, when I didn't know anything about health, I got food poisoning, and I suffered for three days, and I didn't have any medicine. And the only thing I had, finally, I, I like found some Pepto-Bismol, and I threw that up, too. So, And I don't recommend... You know, well, this is I, what I don't I'm think saying, that's though, a but, good idea to suppress. But when you have what. something poison in your body, you should not suppress it coming out. So anytime you need to vomit or you need to have diarrhea or whatever way it's going to come out of you, it needs to come out. It's not a good idea to suppress it. Yeah, well, the thing is, what you did is what most people would do. Because, well, most people would probably, because, a lot of them would go to the doctor. Because the hospital what you had is what most people have. They got Pepto-Bismol, they got aspirins, they got, you know, antacids, they got Tums, they got... This is what they've got in their medicine cabinet, okay? This is what... And this is what, hey, for years and years, that's what I had in my medicine cabinet, okay? Yeah. Oh, I was smart enough to say, well, I don't think I'll get Rolaids because, you know, they have aluminum in them. I'll and get and Tums with be, You won't, don't want to be deathly sick with something like food poisoning and then have to get up and get dressed and go to the store, go to a health food store that may or may not be open, you know, and things like that, and try to figure out what to do then. Well, you want to just have it on hand. One good thing. Immediately. One good thing about activated charcoal, I I don't think it goes bad. I mean, you keep no. it dry, and I don't think it can go bad. So, you know, you go get it, and you know, you have it. Eleven dollars and change for a big bag of it. Well, yeah, and I would suggest time. I would suggest you do get the bag and use it in water. But you know, if somehow that's disgusting to you or whatever, and it really doesn't taste like much of anything, it's the you can drink it through a straw. It's more of the consistency that kind of is odd, but it doesn't really taste like anything. But if that all bothers you, this is one of those things where capsules is better than nothing. Oh, I've taken capsules before, and I definitely believe they work. I'm not going to say they may be as good as or as fast-acting as the charcoal slurry that you mix into water, but, yeah, I would definitely Eat take nothing, those. nothing, I'll tell I'd you. I'd definitely <laughs> take them. There's not going to be that much charcoal in them, though. No, you'll have to so, take a bunch of them. Yeah. Because, I mean, gosh, you see, and people don't realize that until you, until you start filling up your own capsules. Yeah. You know, get one of those little capsule filler thingers and uh, mm-hmm. do that. You don't realize how little there really is in each capsule. I mean, one teaspoon yeah. is several capsules. 
I mean, really, it's like four capsules to but, fill but up. But I just would take vitamin C. You know, if I was really sick, regarding no matter what it was, like food poisoning, for example, I would probably take it every hour. But a lot of people think, you know, you should space out supplements like that and nutrients in food if you're eating, of course, which you're probably not going to be eating if you have food poisoning. With you know, activated charcoal, you should take it two hours apart from anything beneficial. So some people don't believe it, and they say it's not true. But if you want to be safe, you know, about that and just do it anyway, just space it two hours apart, you know. And Frank was taking, you know, every two hours he would either do the charcoal or he would do vitamin C with some baking soda in water and organic sulfur. And he was also taking... Uh, apple cider vinegar mixed into water. Yeah, I I started doing that once they started feeling a little better, and, and I that tried. That will get rid of viruses and bad bacteria. And, and I tried. Well, yeah, but I tried doing that at the beginning, uh, uh, by itself, and it didn't work. You know, it didn't work. It works for a lot of people, but they also a lot of times will also use the charcoal and garlic or different things. Oh, well, and I mean, a lot of the, a lot of the people are talking about now, and this is a good plan. I mean, if you're going out to eat, folks, yeah. and you've got organic. Uh, uh, apple cider vinegar, you know, take a couple of teaspoons, whether, you know, you take them and wash it down with water or else you put it in water and take it. It's a good idea because... That's what we would do. We're not recommending somebody else to do something like that. Well, I said it's a good idea. I'm not telling anybody they got to do it. I'm just saying I think it's a good idea if you do that because this protects you to a certain degree against getting, you know, because... I'll tell you what, man, you know, uh, why am I going on about this? Because uh, it happened to me. Well, partially because it happened to me, but also partially because our food supply, all of us, mm-hmm. is in danger. I mean, it is, it is, it's a crapshoot when you go out to eat, folks. Between the, okay, listen, between the food supply itself... Okay, and I'm talking about the animals, the genetically modified feed they get, the idea that, oh, gosh, there's a, sick, and lettuce. there's a sick animal out there, and, oh, let's cut the cancer out of it and chop it up for meat, or, oh, let's, let's, sell, it to the, the let's sell it to the butcher before it drops dead. You know, that, that kind of thing. Yeah, mad cow disease. You know, between that, forget about that, and what Melissa mentioned about vegetables, don't get me started on that. Jeez, They're that's a whole thing. They're modifying those and putting, you know, all kinds of things in them, Well, too. for God's sakes, they're watering them. But they're they're even putting, you know, uh, antibiotics in vegetables yeah, now. Yeah, they're watering them in mm-hmm. California right now with fracking fluid. Yeah. Oh, they're also mixing in... Uh, Roundup into the water they used to irrigate with. They're mixing a lot of Roundup right yep. in there with it. So all the stuff. You know, and then. They're going to be using Agent Orange, basically, okay. mixed with oh, Roundup. But, but wait. Okay. On our food. Wait a minute. So we got the food. And then let's move to the people that prepare your food. Yeah. You know, okay. So now are you, are you, are you, are you worried yet? You see. I mean, I'm telling and you, man. And in a public bathroom, even. Think about that. If if they have hepatitis or AIDS or whatever, whatever they have, you know, that's scary, too. That's why you need to bulletproof your immune system right there. Well, I mean, all of these reasons. we look at the bad, you know, the Dentro. really bad things like hepatitis and AIDS and, uh, you know, tuberculosis. But there's a whole bunch of other 
viruses and Plague, bacteria and all kinds prions. of stuff, all kinds of other things that these people yeah. that work in, in, you know, kitchens. Bird flu, too, for our animals. I mean, you need to protect them. You know, so my point is food poisoning is a real danger to most of you out there. Now, yeah, I, if you live on your own place and you grow your own food and you raise your own you animals and all that stuff, and yeah, you never do any of that. House, you're probably, you're probably. Even per- then, people leave things out too long, <laughs> unrefrigerated, for instance. Or, or some dummies don't cook pork enough. I mean, geez, you know, but the thing is, Food poisoning is a real deal, and, and it's a real danger to Especially everybody. in the summertime, people are having picnics, they're cooking out, things like that, and they're leaving food unrefrigerated. Oh, God, like mayonnaise. Food. Don't ever leave a sandwich with mayonnaise on it out in the sun. And one person I read about, um, they went to some company picnic or something, and ever, a lot of people got sick. They got food poisoning from the food being out too long in the heat and stuff, and it wasn't kept cool like it should be. And they had taken, I think it was a couple tablespoons at most of vinegar, like apple cider vinegar, the organic raw kind of what I would use, like Bragg or Solana Gold, and mixed it into water probably. And they took that like an hour before they left, you know, to go there or an hour before they ate, and it protected them. They did not get sick. And I believe, you know, that's something good to do with even your meal. I mean, with my meal. Like if I was going to go out to eat or something or eat at someone's house or whatever, you know, you or I could put that in some water and just drink it with my meal or before my meal. But even with my meal, I mean, that would protect me a lot more likely to protect one than if one didn't do that. Or even eating a salad with the vinegar in it, you know, for the dressing, like the oil and vinegar dressing, that would be better than doing nothing. Well, the point is to, you know, none of this knowledge does you any good if you don't have this stuff on you, and nobody plans to get poisoned. So have it on hand. Get you some uh, activated charcoal. And activated charcoal is something for most poisons. Yeah, well, like I said, you know, when you go to the hospital for poisoning and none of their crap works, they they give you activated charcoal. They do. They don't use it as much as they used to, probably because... Big Pharma and all that, but a lot of them still do use it. Like I said, when their crap doesn't work and you're about to die, that's when they Yeah, that's when they, they probably do. won't even use it then. I wouldn't go to a hospital. I don't particularly. I wouldn't, but... <laughs> I, I wouldn't either. I'm not suggesting that. No, but most people will, and most people will go to doctors, so, you know, I'd be doing the charcoal thing. And there's some things that are not recommended to do. You use charcoal. Well, you know, and some people for, want to die, you know, and, and yeah. who am I to say they, they, they shouldn't right. go be allowed to kill themselves? So, uh, get, you, know, you know, go to the, go to the hospital. and... Go to the hospital. Go to the hospital if that's what you want, you know, because that's what you know. You've got a really, you've got a much better chance than staying home. I and can tell you that. Uh, staff infection stuff like that. So anyway, today is uh, July fifteenth, and this is the first day of Jade Helm. Did you know that? Yes. You did, huh? Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, and shows about it down in down in Texas. Uh, It says, uh, despite the Internet chatter about trains with shackles and Walmart stores being closed to be used as detention camps, this small West Texas town on Wednesday seemed to be surviving the start of Jade Helm 15, the military exercise that some people fear is actually a ruse for a federal takeover of the state. 
No, mar- no military equipment or personnel were visible. No tanks were rumbling past the beige metal community center on Main Street. Well, right there, you see, of course not. You see, now, this, there's been a lot of disinformation. Now, the military has stated in several different ways, and I'm not saying this is a good thing. I'm just saying what they said is their goal is to blend in. They want to blend in. They don't want you to see them. They don't want you to know they're there. Okay? So there's not going to be any tanks rolling down the streets or anything like that. I mean, this is not their operation. This is not their training mission, even if it's just a training mission and everything they said is true. But, look, don't let that make you feel any better, folks. Because, see, I don't think Jade Helm is actually, you know, like they say, going to go live. I don't, I don't believe that. However, what they're, if their stated mission really is their stated mission, I find it very disturbing. Because what their stated mission is, is to infiltrate the U.S. public with military. Now, why would you want to do that? Why would you want to infiltrate a community and not really have anybody know you're there except the friendlies? I mean, that sounds like more like a terrorist cell, doesn't it? Isn't that how terrorist cells operate? Nobody knows who the terrorists are in the neighborhood, right? This is what they say. They don't want you to know who they are. But yet they have friendlies in the neighborhood who basically, you know, cover for them. Doesn't that sound like a terrorist cell? And if this is what they're training, and this is what they said, and all the, all the documentation I've seen hmm. says this is what they're doing, I find that more disturbing than tanks rolling down the street. Because at least when tanks are rolling down the street, you know what's going on, man. It's on, man. Well, you know, this is it. It's on. But if you don't see them, you don't know what's going on, and, you know, let's say people just get disappeared in the, in the night and all this stuff, right? To me, that's a lot more disturbing than tanks rolling down the street. Because tanks rolling down the street, everybody knows what's going on now. This, not so much. And I'm not, like I said, I don't think this is going live because there's been way too much. I mean, geez, Texas has said... They are, they are having the Texas National Guard shadow the federal troops to keep an eye on them. You know, so... <laughs> well, you know that, that audio that I had you play with uh, Tom Mead, who is supposedly this private military contractor, and he recently briefed local officials in Big Spring, Texas, about the real you know deal with Drake, Jade Helm. You know, he said conflicting things because he said, you know, if you see my guys and we're doing something wrong because they're supposed to be, you know, kind of undercover, whatever, you're not supposed to know they're there. Yet he also said he was going to, you know, they were going to come knock on people's door and announce the times they're going to be carrying out these things. So, you know, and he said that they would have land use agreements with the public you know, and use people's barns in the middle of the night or use people's, you know, cattle, trailer cars, whatever, in the middle of the night. This is what I'm talking about. Making deals with people? What people? Mm -hmm. Who? 
What kind of, who's going to, okay, who in Texas is saying, oh, sure, federal troops, come on in, use my property, use my barn. Well, these people See, that are totally idiots, you know, and ignorant well, about everything, that are totally asleep, those they people, think they're doing something good. Those people, you better watch out, you know, find out who those people are now. And you better start watching those people because those are the people when this crap does go live. They could be relatives of. Well, it doesn't matter who they are. When this crap does finally go live, those are the people that are going to be harboring these people. Okay? So you good for you to identify them now. And somebody in the chat room made a good point. You train for what you're going to do. And that's right. That is right. You don't train for stuff that, oh, well, I'm never going to. And so the thing is, they say, now this is a lie, they say they're doing this to train for foreign engagements, right? Tom Mead said that wasn't the case, but yeah. They say they're doing it for, exactly. Well, they're not doing it for that because if they were, they'd be training somewhere foreign. And they've been in Iraq and Afghanistan and all these other places. What, a hundred and how many? Unless they're planning countries? unless they're planning 50? on occupying and operating in, you know, uh covertly in some other English speaking foreign country, they're lying. Oh, there's I don't know how true it is, but back in I think twenty thirteen there's a video stating that people saw thousands of signs that said martial law is now in effect <laughs> yeah. in, you know, in a truck in a couple of different states. One was Ohio. I forget where the other one was. But, I mean, and they were, and so one of the guys said, you know, hey, wow, and woke somebody up in the middle of the night and was telling them all about it. And, and they said they asked somebody else there, and he said, oh, you know, my boss or whatever, they told me that, these were going to another country. And so the person said, well, how come they're in English then? He said, good question. So, yeah, good question. You know, you know and, and the thing is, look, if you're, if you're going to train to fight, you know, and, and just say, hey, we're going we're gonna to fight and we want to be in a similar terrain as where we're going to go, you can train in, in, you know, New Mexico or wherever if you're going to Afghanistan. I mean, they got mountains, you know, they got a, a similar terrain. That's one thing. But if you're going to train to infiltrate communities, and everything about Jade Helm points to that's really what they're, they're looking to do. And I had a, a, an opportunity to, to learn a lot about the French resistance and I'm telling you, what they're training for is a situation like an occupation, a, a, a movement, uh, operations carried out under an occupation is what they is what it sounds like to me. And, and you know, and I could be wrong, but I mean that's what it that's what it seems like to me because this is kind of how the resistance operated in France because the resistance didn't operate alone; they had help. From the U.S. and okay, England. when you say an occupation, tell me what you mean by that. Well, I'm not sure. I mean, who's occupying who? Are these states that have broken away and the federals are coming in to a state-run 
or community run or breakaway people's place where they think they got to come in and, you know, take it back? Or are they expecting somebody else to occupy? You know, like uh, Russia, Russian troops. Well, a lot of people, and I'm only, I'm only saying that because I know there's people out there that believe that. I don't, I am not one of them. You don't believe we're ever going to be occupied by any foreign troops, including the UN, apparently. Yeah, apparently not. I do. Well, I know. You're one of them. <laughs> but the thing is, there's no point in that, okay? <laughs> and they usually do have the National Guard out of our country and other countries, you know, not here to defend our borders. So I'm amazed that they claim they're going to have the National Guard there shadowing the federal, you know. Well, when you say, you know, the National Guard is, is, is in foreign countries, they are, but not all of the National Guard from A lot everywhere. Of them have done several tours of duty. Yes, but not all of them from everywhere. You know, well, they should specific... never have been able to leave our country or forced to go out of the country. You know, to you got okay. You got to understand. The some, National okay, Guard. Okay, listen. You got to understand something about the military. When they say, "Well, the National Guard's over there serving," and some of them serve several tours and this and that and the other thing, it's it's true. However, you, not all of them are you know riflemen. All right, they're. <laughs> Well, All if you those signed guys, up listen, for the National Guard, do you listen, think you should be able to listen, have to go to some foreign country? Listen, okay? Every soldier out there carrying a rifle and shooting at somebody takes four guys to support him. You got cooks, you got truck drivers, you got all kinds of supply people, you got all medical no people, you got all kinds of people, okay? You got all kinds of people. So who's National Guard and who's regular army? I tend to think the guys with the rifles are probably regular army, and the guys supporting them are probably National Guard. Now, National Guard has rifle companies, but I don't know if they're sending them to, uh, you know, fight in Afghanistan or Iraq. But the fact is, it takes a lot of support troops for each troop, fighting troop. You know, so the thing is, you know, just because they say there's a lot of National Guard out there doesn't mean they're all carrying rifles and shooting people. They could be driving trucks. They could be medics. They could be cooks. They could be a lot of things, man. So I don't know. I, I, think I don't know. They what should be in our country protecting our country and our borders. I don't think we should have a standing army, okay? But that's not the way it is, you know? <laughs> I mean, honestly. But hey, we've got to take a break. We'll be back in just a bit. <laughs>
shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family.
Hi, we're back. This is the Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Steffen. You're listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. It's still July 15, 2015. It's Wednesday, I guess. Uh, let's see, 840, yeah, about 844 out here on the uh, Pacific Coast. And uh, if that's true where you're at, we are, in fact, live. 800-932-1980 is the call-in number. You can go to the website, theamericanvoice.com or americanvoiceradio.com. You'll see the chat link there. You can participate in the show or just chat with the other folks out there. And uh, they are uh, they're chatting away in there, uh, a lively discussion. I guess this is a subject that a lot of people... Uh, are concerned with, at least the ones in the chat room are, or at least aware of. So that's something. Because so many Americans are unaware of so many things. And Jade Helm is just one of them. Uh, but if you want to participate in that uh, or just watch the conversation, you'll see the chat link at the website, and uh, you can do so. I am on Yahoo Instant Messenger. My screen name is ABRN Talk. Oh, and now I was almost going to bring Melissa up, but I'm not going to just yet. Yeah, I'll bring her up right now so she can uh, hear who the uh, songs were. The first band, the name of it was Too Much to Lose, and it was by the Kentucky Headhunters. Somebody guessed wrong. And the second one was Dizzy Miss Lizzie. I'm sure you've heard that one before, but this was by Larry Williams. So there you have it. Nobody guessed either one, so... Well, two, the two guy zero. that sings for the Kentucky Headhunters, at least in that song, sounded a lot like Paul Rogers. Well, I don't... I don't singer of Bad Company. I don't argue that. He he did kind of sound it's like him, but, but it's not, you know, so uh, mm-hmm. there That's you go. Saying. But just saying, you're wrong. Just saying. Um, yeah, so Jade Helm. A lot of people say Helm stands for Homeland Eradication of Local Militants. <laughs> yeah. And there are people that uh, think that Walmart, go ahead and you know, you know, I'm tackle, pretty, tackle. No, I'm pretty class. sure, you know what, I'm pretty sure that that, that, is, not the, that, that, that is not the official. Wall, uh, turn it around. Wall, turn it around. Law. Mart. Marshall, Marshall Law, Walmart. They're full participants with Homeland Security and see something, say something. They have pinhole cameras in their doors from what I've read for over 10 years now using facial recognition for everybody that walks into a Walmart. 85% of people in the United States live near a Walmart and shop there. So, you know, and then I believe they have tunnels. Underneath Walmarts, they do have tunnels underneath Walmarts, at least some of them, and these closed Walmarts. Who knows what they're going to use them for? Well, at least the ones near the border. I've been sure, saying sure for do. years they're going to use them for processing people, or you know, uh, the same with targets. I believe. Well, and, and I, I always attest to that. You have been saying that for years, and uh, so it's not just a Jade Helm. It's not just. It's not just Jade Helm paranoia talking. Down online, but anyway, we have a caller. No, we don't. It was the wrong number. Okay. Yeah, I've got this, uh, you know, this is one thing, folks. And oh, wait a minute, wait drill. a minute. I think we do have a caller. So we do have a caller. Let's well, we take the the border, sir, sir. Let's take the caller. 
Good evening, Frank. Jay from Washington. Hi, Jay. We heard your uh, radio on there. I guess I got you on too quick. Uh, kind of. Uh, and I apologize for calling in. I mean, I already have a show. and I've Hey, already, don't and, apologize. You know, a frequent, I've already uh, been a frequent caller, but you brought up, and you're talking about a very interesting thing here. And you had mentioned something, Frank, prior to the break about, you know, the National Guard and how, like, troops are deployed. And, look, I'm no expert. I mean, I was in the service, uh, and I served in a Ranger Battalion, so I, I have some knowledge. Uh, not like Bogrice or anything like that, but most troops, most battalions, Frank, are, are self-supporting, you know, especially, well, certainly special operations troops like Ranger units and special forces. They have their own, we had our own cooks, our own medics, our own truck drivers. Sure. Uh, and everybody in special operations, if I'm not mistaken, is also combat trained. Absolutely. Well, you're, you're always a rifleman. See, I wasn't a rifleman to begin with. I wasn't an 11 Bravo. I was a radio operator, 05 Bravo. But when you get to Ranger Battalion, they, they reclassify you. That becomes your secondary, and you automatically become a, an infantryman, and that's what you do. Yeah, well, and see, in the, in, the regular, in the regular Army, that's not true. Well, and know. I was going to... It, no, and it isn't, but at the same time, especially like these large infantry units and these mechanized battalions. The Big Red One! They're basic. Like the Big Red One. What? Well, like the Big Red One. They're, you know, they're self-supporting. They, now, their troops are, you know, they're in the rear with the gear, the, the rims. That's where they always are. Uh, or that that's a different acronym. I won't repeat what it stands for, but uh, that's usually, and you're right, that's where they are, but... They're, I rarely, you, well, now this is a long time ago, but I rarely encountered National Guardsmen, uh, rarely encountered National Guardsmen supporting. Uh, and we work closely a lot of times with, like, 82nd Airborne and different and big units back then, the 24th Mechanized out of Fort Stewart, Georgia. Uh, they had their own people. There was, unless they were just on, like, weekend deployment and they were maybe, well, yeah. and they were just like a third wheel. But, you see, things have changed. Since then, I, and, when I was I when that. I was in too, National Guard were never you know uh, the army supported the National Guard. We had to go because I was a track vehicle mechanic, and we got deployed to National Guard uh, forts and camps to repair their stuff because you know they go out and play and wreck everything, and then they go home. Right. You know. You know, so who's left to fix this stuff for the next bunch of weekend, uh, you know, party guys to weekend come in and warriors. break everything? Weekend warriors, that's what they call them. <laughs> you know, I mean, so. I guess there's a place for them. Well, of uh, course there is, but I mean, the thing is, though, I mean, that was just the fact. They they come in and they break the equipment, and well, then yeah. they go home. Yeah, they didn't care. You know, yeah, they, they, they were going back to the hardware store with the daycare. You know, so the regular Army mechanics had to come and repair it all. You know, Correct. so you know, so it now it's totally reversed. Now you got National Guard units going to Iraq and Afghanistan in the combat situations. It's, I, well, and people should, and that should alarm people because you know you have to really put two and two together. Why is that? Well, it's because the regular army has been depleted. And I'm when exactly. I say regular army, I mean the Marines, Air Force, sure. I mean the whole ball of wax. Yep. It's just been depleted uh, for for many reasons. It's been depleted mostly because of death. You know, because we send them into the meat grinder and there's nobody or, left to replace them. If they're a cook so or if they're on the front line, if they're out of the country, right, they're, they're not here guarding our and, country. Well, well, I'll exclude the National Guard, Melissa, because you're right. Uh, they're misusing the National Guard. And, and if I were a governor of a state, I would tell the commander-in-chief, because the commander-in-chief of the National Guard is the governor of a state. That's period. true. 
okay, and I would tell the president of the United States, you can go do this upper rope, okay? That's what I would do. Well, I, you know what? Now, wait, before we go any further, because I would too, and I, I totally agree with both of you. However, the same situation that applies to our public schools and everything else in the state that the federal government comes and says, hey, guess what? We want you to do this. Oh, well, go and pound sand. We don't want to do that. Oh, really? Then we'll withhold your money. And they'll do the same thing because most of the National Guards in the country get most of their money from the Department of Defense budget, not from the state budget. Well, and that's because governors are, and you're right, and I kind of knew where you were going with that, but I would do the same thing like with this gay marriage thing. Like if a state doesn't want to, I would tell the federal government, hey, that law you just passed, that doesn't fly here. And then say the federal government came in and said, well, fine, we're going to withhold your highway funds. I would say, well, okay, fine, keep what you have. We're no longer going to collect that tax at the pump and send you any money. There you go. No, we'll oh, keep it ourselves. Then we'll withhold your education funds. I'll say, really, fine, keep what you have. We're not going to send you any tax revenues. You got that? Yep. I would do now, that, too, and I, I, now, you know, and the state would have to keep it themselves to make up the difference. And you know what? Every state that did that would come out ahead. You betcha. You betcha. I don't want to take up all of your time. I wanted to point that out. And secondly, I did post in something in the chat room. And look, this much I know for a fact. You only train for what you're going to do. You can't make up excuses. Okay. And I read a quote from like a, a commander of this Jade Helm thing, and he's trying to pass it off as he's a public relations guy. He doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. Sorry for that. He doesn't badly. probably even know what they're really doing. He, he probably doesn't no, know what their real operation is. Right. He's just told oh, what to read. No alarm here. We're just, you know, this is just an exercise. Hey, look, man, you don't waste your time and effort and, and those kind of resources just to go out and, and play games. You're doing it for a reason. Now, beyond that, I'm just a truck driver, so two plus two to me always equals four. Well, and see, for what you're that's, going to only because, um, that's only because you haven't gone through Common Core education, Jay. How many of these I, drills well, go? How many of these drills result in dead people, or they tell us dead people? You know, how many times? Okay, the latest well, one in South Carolina in Charleston. In combat. That's another. The one in Charleston, they were carrying out a drill it. in Charleston at the same time. I mean, you can go look it up on YouTube. You can see the proof right there. Well, that is from government that is websites and everything. That is some disturbing yeah, thing on a lot of levels. Nine eleven, same thing. On and on it goes. Well, that's true. That is a disturbing thing. Right, that a lot of these things that happen, there just happen to be some sort of training exercise going I'm not on at saying the same it's time. Definite. You know, it won't just be a drill, right, but look, it's, it's happened many times before. Look, live operations sometimes are just that, or, or I'm sorry, sometimes live operations are just drills, if you get my drift. Yeah, if you get, I if do. You get my meaning. Okay, we're going to go out and train, but it's, it's, we're live. Look, in a Ranger Battalion, I don't know if it's the same as it was when I was in. We used live ammunition, just like it was in the movies, and it was very dangerous, and people got killed, and yeah, it, it, things happen. Now, I was never involved in... Mount training, you know, it like that, like is happening now. Things are much different than they were in the early '80s. You know, we did mount training; that was a big deal back then. And they, but they built entire cities for us. Right. There's one right here close to me on Fort Lewis. It's called Ramagan. Uh, there's another one 
in Aberdeen, not Washington. It's a proving ground. It's around Fort Bragg, and it's a huge city with sewer complexes and roofs and, and, and not skyscrapers, but buildings that would resemble that. Mm-hmm. It, you understand that they put up four people in there, like aggressors and so forth. Sure. And you're using live ammunition, not live artillery, but you're using simulators that, hey, man. Uh, you get too close to one of those simulators, you're going to be dead. You're going to be dead or at least lose a limb, and it's, that kind of stuff happens. And so what I'm saying is you don't train. It just doesn't make any sense to say that this is just some kind of exercise. That is, it just, to me, it's offensive. It offends me that they would say that. That, that like, what? I'm stupid? You well, think I'm an idiot? Okay. Why can they? Well, I'm why, not an idiot. All right. Why can they get it? Well, you're not. You have been in the military. I've been in the military. A lot of people have, but not as many as used to have. Look at Congress. Right. Look at the president. Used to be, but man, you, you exactly. used to be, you couldn't get elected president if you haven't served in the military. Not anymore. Exactly. You no, know, but no. but that's because. Most of the public doesn't serve in the military. Only the poor, the underprivileged, and, and kids with nothing else to do. Okay, and now granted, there are a few kids that go in because they really want to serve their country, and they're just brainwashed to the hilt, and they want to wave the flag and be a hero and all that crap. But those, those are few and far between. Even when I was in, they were. Yeah. And well, I would say there's so few that it's unregisterable, Frank. I mean, I mean, I can only speak from experience. You know, I just, I'm sorry, but that's just the way it was. Yeah, and, and the bottom line is what that means is while we sit there and say it's all patriotic, it's all this and it's all that, what it really is is a mercenary force. And that's always been okay. a real bad failure for every country yes, who has. has ever depended on a mercenary force for their, for their national defense. Okay, but let me stop you for just a moment, because you mentioned patriotism. I, at one time, was a patriot. I even considered myself like a... I classified myself as like a super patriot, something I would call nowadays like a Tea Party goofball. I was like that. So I was patriotic, but I understand now that it was a lot of brainwashing. It was kill a commie for mommy. I mean, we had murals in our barracks painted. <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't know who did them, but they were very good. They were, and back, you know, think of back, it was probably op four people, you know, that came in and painted these things to brainwash you. I mean, they, they were like murals of, of people machine gunning down, you know, other groups that were wearing Russian uniforms. Jay, were you in, were, Jay, were you in there in 79 during the Iranian crisis? No, no, no. I, see, did, I, did, I joined the service right out of high school in 1982. Okay, uh, see. So that was, but my brother Dave was. I was in he there was in 79, and I was at Fort Knox, and I'll tell you what. We got locked down for like three days with keep your Alice pack next to you. You're, you know, you could leave any time. And we would march around, and I'll remember, we would march around in the parade, you know, uh, well, not a field because it was asphalt, but... And we'd be singing songs about, you know, uh, killing Khomeini and all this other stuff. I mean, we were... Co- and I was, hey, man, I was into it. It's completely brainwashed. Are you kidding me? Me too. Those you know? cadences we used to sing, uh, I, I, can't even, I can't even really recite them. It's been so long, but <laughs> some of it goes like, uh, you know, drop that napalm from the sky, watch little babies burn and die. Yeah. We used to sing wow. that stuff, yeah. man. Yep. Okay. 
and and we I used to love it and thrive on it. Then we would go like run an obstacle course, yep. you know, and then they would like punish us and you know do these drills and and it's like, yeah, that's what we used to sing, man. I think they call that trauma. You know, I think they call that trauma-based mind control. That's right. <laughs> you know, sleep deprivation, well, marching. Just, you know, it's just a. Sure. Well, well, I did thrive on it. I mean, I I, I, I thrived on it. it. You know, I I just did. I hey, I liked it too. I, I you know, I mean, I, you know, the the training parts of my military experience were probably the most engaging. After that, it just got to be a bore, and I didn't like it much. But yeah, but you know, not in a special operation. No, you're always well, training like that. You're from like ninth grade. Yeah, you're always oh, training like that. And Jay yeah. has his own show now on Tuesdays, yep. three to four p.m. Pacific time. That's right. I, I promise I'll get better. Frequent folks. caller. I promise I'll get better. Frequent caller to Frank's show right. now has his own show. That's so. true, and and uh, we're out of time. But Jay, don't don't let just having your own show stop you from calling here. That's right. But we are That's out right. of we are out of time right According now, Frank, and uh, we're out of time. And then. Uh, Tuesdays, 3 p.m., Jay's on, and uh, you, you feel like doing another yes. hour? No. I have a lot more to say. Oh, gosh. Not not of the same <laughs> thing. Man. Jeez. Anyway, <laughs> all right, we'll be back in a few minutes if you can uh, and stay. And thanks for the call. Jay. Yeah, Jay, thanks for the call, and uh, we'll be back in a few minutes. heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. 
Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Countries have denied Internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free-to-air satellite system from AVR. The AVR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $149. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family.
All right, we're back. This is the Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Steph, and you're listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. It's July 15, 2015. It's Wednesday. It's about 10 minutes after 9 p.m. Pacific time. So Wednesday in the 15th doesn't apply to you folks over on the East Coast because it is now tomorrow. But we're over here in Oregon, so it is still Wednesday. It's still July 15th and uh, 9:10. You want to participate? 800-932-1980. That's how you call in. Jay showed you how easy that was. You can do it too, or you can go to the chat room, theamericanvoice.com or americanvoiceradio.com. You'll see the chat link. Click on it. Follow the instructions, and uh, you're in there. Lively discussion going on in the chat room and let's see uh if you want to private instant message me on yahoo instant messenger that's just you me and the nsa my screen name is avrn talk all one word so there you have it all right, it's Wednesday night, and that means we've got Melissa Roxanne on as co-host. Welcome back, Melissa. Thank you. Okay, so I'll let you go first uh, for for. Well, somebody this made a hour. point in the chat room regarding hollow point ammunition, hollow point bullets being bought up by the government, and I was going to make that point as well as how many other rounds of ammo have they bought up? You know, thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions, whatever, billions. You know, there's a proposal to buy 1.6 billion bullets there was in ammunition in recent years by the government. So, you know, that's another point, another good point, mm-hmm. to take it off the market and to use it against us. Well, uh, you know, you see, that's the whole thing, though. Uh, just because they're buying it doesn't mean they're keeping it. They've got lots of operations going on. Like, I am absolutely convinced ISIS is a creation of the United of States course. government. Whether it's, it. whether it is, uh, you know, manned by mercenaries through Blackwater or EXO or whatever the hell their name is now uh, or not, the government could be giving them all the ammo, you know, uh, for all I know. They could be keeping it. They could be using it. They could be doing anything with it. Once they get their hands on it, we have no idea what they're doing with it. Now, I I had thought I read something about it, and I thought I knew, and, and somebody in the chat room confirmed it, that, you know, California has banned lead ammo for hunting. For environmental reasons, of course, right? Yeah. So, you know, that's another issue. Yeah, you can't fish with live bait in Oregon. No, or and you can't use, uh, I don't think you can use lead uh, weights. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if that's true, but I know the live bait Yeah, there's mercury in the vaccines, in the ocean, Fukushima radiation, radiation everywhere, fluoride, you know, they dump that in our water, the toothpaste, and the food, whatever they water. Well, and and not to mention the newest, newest, most exciting thing is the uh, fracking fluid. Mm -hmm. You know, that garbage is really, really bad, and, uh, you know, that's flowing all over the place, and uh, that's not a problem. But little lead bullets... You know, and, and lead I guess paint and toys for children. I guess no nobody in California put on their thinking cap and thought, well, wait a minute now. Okay, so you're a hunter, and you shoot at something you're hunting. Unless you're a really bad hunter, that bullet went into whatever it is you're hunting. 
and then you're going to go get whatever that is and bring it home with you. It's not like there's all these bullets oh, out in the environment from hunting. Okay? It's, 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 Even Dick Cheney, you know, you know, morons. hit his friend's face. Where did that bullet go? In his friend. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, you know, when you're hunting, unless you're a really bad hunter, the bullet goes in whatever you're hunting. I don't think that was an accident. Myself, but that's just because I think, you know, Dick Cheney is probably one of the nastiest things that ever walked the face of the earth today. He's probably one of those that was out there hunting kids. At least they've said so. Well, maybe he ran out of kids and decided, you know, now he's gonna now he's gonna just hunt his friends. Chips and them so they can track them, trace them everywhere they go with dogs. But those hollow point bullets. You know, they say they're designed for maximizing tissue damage and blood loss or shock. And rbcd.net, I know Colonel Bo Grice used to always say total tissue destruction with those. Yep. Well, hollow points are nothing like, you know, you know, nothing like that. You know, the, those are far worse. Uh, the uh, RBCD. Yeah, RBCD is, is far more destructive. And if you say yeah. both sent you, you get dealer prices on everything, too. That's true. That's true. We and don't get should. anything for it, nor does Bo. I'm just reminding people of that. But, you know, that they can say both sent him, but Colonel Bo writes, and they get dealer prices. And he said it's the best out there. So, Well, you know, the, like anything, like anything, you know, you... you the tool you need depends on what job you want done, okay? And if you're just going to be under normal circumstances with people, you know, with, uh, you know, just in a regular situation, then yeah. Uh, but you got to also understand this does not pass through, you know, like if you shoot at something hard, you know, hard enough to where it won't penetrate, it'll blow up on it. It'll fl- flange right on it, you know, so... You know, there's a lot of good ammo out there for a lot of different things. Um, like, for instance, you don't want to use RBCD for, like, if you in a, in, a, in a situation where you want armor piercing. It's not going to work for that. Okay? So, you know, this is for home, you know, this is a great home defense. Stop the intruder, stop the assaulter, stop the man, you know, that sort of thing. It's great for that. That's that's the thing. Big hole. Blow you up, you know. Uh, just, But, you know, I mean, if you're going to be dealing with people in, you know, armored cars or something, it's not going to do you any good until they get out. I mean, but, you know, you see what I'm saying? Mix it up. You see is what, what I'm saying? Yeah, what I'm saying is mix it up. Get you some different kind of ammos. Like I was just telling somebody in the chat room earlier, they were talking about, well, they're shooting a 12-gauge uh, shotgun. And I told them, hey, get some dragon's breath. You hear what I'm writing? If you want to have some real fun. you know. Yeah, and, if you want to light somebody on fire. Well, you know, like I said, every job has a tool for it and you know nobody likes to go on fire and everybody's always talking about oh my gosh they've got body armor they got this they got that they got that, 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 that. I don't care what they got nobody nowhere likes to go on fire you know I mean that's just the that's just the fact 
So you know, and, and somebody like, well, that's not that, that's not very that's not fair that's not nice that's like kicking somebody in the uh, you know uh, Do they ever genitals. Play fair? That's like kicking somebody in the genitals and having somebody you know say foul foul you're not allowed to do that. Well, only if I don't want to win. Threw that flashbang grenade or whatever into that Detroit apartment building and killed that little 10-year-old girl when they were supposedly looking for some criminal druggie or something. Yeah, looking for him in the wrong house. Looking for him in the wrong house. On live television. Well, not live. I don't know if it was live or taped, but they were filming a television show. And that's why they were going all out to be dramatic on TV. And then they claimed that the grandmother of that child attacked him. Yeah, you know how grandmas are. And the little girl was just asleep on the couch and died. Yeah, well, you know how those vicious, dangerous, violent grandmas are. I know. I mean, you gotta you gotta put them down quick before they get you. Especially if you're in body armor and have an automatic weapon and all that, boy. They they're no good against grandmas. You gotta you gotta throw grenades at them. It's, uh, but anyway, you know, so there we have that. I have other, uh. So other, do I. But uh, go ahead. Oh, really? Well, too bad. You had your turn. Oh, oh, I'm going to go with something horrible. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to go with something real horrible right away. This, and there is a video with this that I'm not going to play, but I, I'll post the, uh, I'll post the, uh, the link to go get it. So you can listen to it yourself, but this is really disgusting. Uh, And this woman is a hideous creature. Because while you've got to understand... Now, see, this is something you miss on radio with the video. This woman who is saying this, she's not just, you know, I'll get to who she is exactly, but she's sitting at a restaurant with a glass of wine and a salad and everything else, and she's just eating away this casual conversation, you know, like you talk about your kids or something like that. Well, this woman, Dr. Deborah uh, Nucatola, is describing how Planned Parenthood sells the body parts of aborted fetuses. I had that up on my screen, too. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. There's there's been uh, something in Congress called for about it too. Yeah, well, she's admitting she uses partial birth abortions to supply intact body parts. In the video, uh, Nuketola is at a business lunch with actors posing as buyers from a human biologics company, as heard of PPFA's medical services department head of. She's the head of their medical services department. This isn't just some employee. Because, you see, I say that because later on, uh, oh, Planned Parenthood's chief executive or whatever says, oh my goodness, this is unbelievable, this is terrible, and it should be prosecuted, and you know, any wrongdoings. They know all about it. She's a big fat liar because this person is the head of their medical services department. And she's overseen medical practice at all Planned Parenthood locations since 2009. So this is not even an isolated, oh, you know, like we heard about the place in Philadelphia or anything, that nightmare abortion clinic, right? Yeah, okay, so that's one place in Philadelphia with some maniac doctor. This is not the case. 
This is a woman, a doctor, that has overseen all Planned Parenthood locations since 2009. She also trains new Planned Parenthood abortion doctors and performs abortions herself at the Los Angeles uh, clinic. And she'll do abortions up to 24 weeks old. The buyers ask her, how much of a difference can there actually make if you know what kind of what's expected or what we need? Well, it makes a huge difference, she says. I'd say a lot of people want liver. And for that reason, most providers will do this case under ultrasound guidance so they'll know where they're putting their forceps, the kind of rate-limiting step of the procedure is calvitarium. Calvitarium, the head, is basically the biggest part. She explains, we've been very good at getting heart, lung, liver, because we know that, so I'm not going to crush that part. I'm going to basically crush below. I'm going to crush above, and I'm going to see if I can get it all intact. Now, this woman's eating lunch by the way, while she's explaining all this, just chomping it down, eating her salad while she's, uh, you know, they're asking questions. She's chomping down her lunch, and then uh, she answers. Uh, and with the calvarium in general, some people will actually try to change the presentation so that it's not for tech. She continues, so if you do it, Starting from the breach presentation, there's dilation that happens as the case goes on. As often the last step, you can evacuate and intact calvarium at the end, meaning the head. Who wants babies' heads? Who are they selling this to? I mean, what? So she goes on and on, and, you know, it's just the video, the sound is not great on the video, you might have to go back and listen. Uh, but the thing is, now here's, here's the deal. The sale or purchase of human fetal tissue is a federal felony. It's punishable up to 10 years in prison and a fine up to $500,000. Okay, so, you know, this is not just a minor little thing here. And she basically has admitted to all this. The commercial traffic of body parts from an aborted baby is punishable by up to 10 years in prison and or fine up to $500,000 on top of the selling baby parts. They're two different things. Okay, so what we're looking at here is uh, 20 years in prison and a million-dollar fine. And this woman admitted to it on video. And you know what? Planned Parenthood... Uh, they should, I'll tell you what, the lynch mob should be prosecuting this woman for the maximum, and I'm sure there's other crimes that they could uh, charge her with also, and tell her, you better spill that Planned Parenthood knew all about this, and uh, they, are, they, they approved it, because that could take Planned Parenthood down, and that's why the lynch mob never will do this. I doubt this woman will ever be prosecuted. This is just... This is this is what's going on here in America, folks, and your Congress is doing I nothing. I bet about you it. they know all about it, and they've known about it all along, and they're just trying to pretend for political purposes that they're going to do something. Because Boehner called for congressional hearings into the practice of Planned Parenthood, and one House committee confirmed it will investigate the organization, and that apparently just happened, I think, today. So. He said, when an organization monetizes an unborn child and with the cavalier attitude portrayed in this horrific video, we must all act. 
As a start, I have asked our relevant committees to look into this matter. I'm also calling on President Obama and Health and Human Services Secretary Sylvia Burwell to denounce and stop these gruesome practices. How about putting somebody in jail? Has anybody asked to put somebody in jail? I, I didn't hear I that. I missed that part anything about that and anything I've read, so... Yeah, I didn't hear you say anything about jail. No. You see, this woman has committed multiple felonies over multiple years, probably thousands of times. She could be facing a thousand oh, years in prison. Oh, you want to know what Planned Parenthood claims? Yeah. They've defended themselves by saying fetal body parts are just being used for science. And another quote, in healthcare, patients sometimes want to donate tissue to scientific research that can help lead to medical breakthroughs, such as treatments and cures for serious diseases. And that's by their spokesman, Eric Ferrero. Women at Planned Parenthood who have abortions are no different. So they're just lying about the whole thing. Making excuses, making up stuff. Yeah, well, that's not what the video shows. So, you know. Yeah, exactly. But your Congress will do nothing about it because they support it. They give Planned Parenthood tens of millions of dollars every year. Yeah. Do you feel good about paying your taxes yet? Honestly, folks. I mean, really. And if you, you know, donate to that uh, pink. Uh, ribbon campaign. I'm trying to think of the name of it. The one for breast cancer. Oh God, yeah. Susan G. Coleman Foundation. They mm. give a ton of money to Planned Parenthood too, and other money for radiation and chemotherapy. You know, burn, cut, and poison people. So I wouldn't be donating to them or buying their. Well, products. and plus, how much of that money actually goes to uh, you know, goes to any kind of breast cancer research? You know how many? How many? They'll never have a cure for cancer. How many thousands of uh, hundreds of thousands and millions of dollars goes to the you know paychecks of the people that run this thing? Yeah, that's where all the money goes. Like Susan G. Coleman and others, and the American Cancer Society. That's just a racket, total racket. They well, will never cure cancer. Well, yeah. How long has that been around? Sixty, seventy years now. What and, have they ever cured? They all, these, all these diseases out there. When have you ever heard of them curing anything? And, and, and their solution is always a vaccine. Or well, something. I know how. I know how we could guarantee that. I know how we could guarantee that there's never a cure. All they have to do is declare a war on it. Yeah. And that way, we're assured to lose because everything everything we ever declare war on well, is like a, a complete failure. And now marijuana, because they want that tax money, they legalized it in a lot of states, including Oregon. Yeah, and I think I think a lot of it also is, and, and you know, I figured this would happen for many years. I've been thinking about this because I know my generation. Talking about my generation. Yeah, even the geeks smoked weed. Everybody smoked weed. At Obama, least once. hello, and not just weed, cocaine. Well, he's probably doing it now. You know, I mean, in that the guy, back of the limo with Larry Sinclair. I don't consider him as anything. All right, but. I'm talking about normal people, not freaks like him. But in my generation, even athletes, geeks, and I'm not saying they were all potheads and they smoke weed all the time, but everybody tried weed and nobody went crazy and died and did that. You know, everybody knows weed is basically, basically harmless. You know, and so, okay, so now my generation is 50, you know, 50, 60 years old in between there, right? 
And so I was wondering, you know, all right, so when does it get to the tipping point where there's enough of my generation in places of power where they, you know, say, ah, come on, what's the big deal? They fly in the drugs, they bring in the drugs, they grow the drugs in other countries and have our soldiers guarding the poppy fields. Well, and you know what, and I think and that... And they put I, you in jail, prison I, for marijuana. And honestly, I, I think that's probably what has taken so long in the change at least towards marijuana, is the fact that you might get in there and you might say, what's the big deal? Come on, get off this. Stop wasting all our time and money and put people in jail for weed. We've all smoked weed. We all know they ain't going to do anything bad to anybody. Get off it. And then somebody comes and tells you, really? Look at the bottom line. Look at how much money we're yeah, generating off of this war system. on well, this war on crime. Look at the yeah. Look at the in, uh, prison industrial system. Look at all yeah. the extra money the we got. The judges and the politicians invest in it, and then when they get those, you know, three three strikes and you're out sentences right. and mandatory minimum sentences for drug offenders, even you well, know, and that's the big and that's the big they deal. They profit on all that, and that's the big deal. The look company. at the bottom line here, and that's Sunny. Here's some stock. In the prison industrial system. Oh, and also here, talk to the uh, talk to the uh, the general here, and he can tell you how much money is generated for his black operations that Congress doesn't have to come up with for national security. You know, yeah, and they go, oh, oh, I see, okay, and that I think is what has held it up so long, but. Uh, you know, now they're they're going, well, look, you know, the people are basically saying, screw you anyway, we don't care. The jails are full. Everything, you know, is... They I have some related stuff know. to this, by the way. It's It might be some good news if it's going to really happen, but you know how that goes. Yeah, what is it? After the break. Oh, Obama. Well, well yeah, just tell us what it is, and then we'll take a break. Reforms. Oh, God, I read that. Yep, we'll be back after a bit. We'll, we'll Usurper. get more of that, and we'll be back just in a bit. Oh! 
vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. have denied internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free-to-air satellite system from AVR. The AVR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $149. $49.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System. 
unemployment insurance running out, jobs leaving the country. Many people cannot afford to eat or keep a roof over their head. Too many can do neither. Messiah's Branch has a mission church in Wichita, Kansas that helps the victims of this banker's economy, the American people, your neighbors. The mission is the last hope for so many Americans. We need your help to lift up the poorest of the poor. These are men, women, and children who once had homes, now in the street. They all need what you need. First aid, beds, food, clothing, and so on. You can send a monetary gift or a box of necessities to 230 West 4th Street, Florence, Kansas, 66851. Or donate online by going to Wichita Homeless. Or simply call 
right. We're back. This is the Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Stephan. You're listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. It is July 15th, 2015. It's Wednesday. It's 946 out here on the Pacific Time Coast. If that all works out where you're at, then we are live. 800-932-1980. You can go to the chat room, theamericanvoice.com, americanvoiceradio.com. There's a bunch of people in there chatting away. You'll see the link. Go on in. Join them. Or you can instant message me privately, just you, me, and the NSA. And I always say that because I don't want you to get the impression that, oh, well, then that's private. No, <laughs> yeah. If it's over the Internet, guess what? Not so much. But the screen name is AVRN Talk. Anyway, we'll bring Melissa back up. And uh, the room got both songs, Leonard Skinner and Poison. I thought I'd throw a curveball there because, huh. of course, that song is not one of their originals, but they redid it there, and not a bad job, I'd say, but uh, it was poison. So so we tied for the evening. This is what I get for doing a second hour. See, I could have walked away with the easy victory 2-0, but what did I do? Ha! Oh, yeah, see, no good deed goes unpunished. Anyway, welcome back, Melissa. Thank you. We heard you going, ha! Back there. And, yeah, <laughs> hey, I, I was doing that ha 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 yeah, thing. Yeah. Anyhow, uh, oh, let's see. What did I? Oh yes. Obama what, calls for criminal justice. Oh yeah, reform. that's right. I, I I I'm gonna let you do that before I okay, do the, well, the real good story. I have a lot more where that came from. Well, we don't have a lot more time where that came from, so yeah, hurry yeah. up. So Usurper claims he's wanting to do this whole fair and equitable thing, more fair and equitable, although we know that's a joke because they already have laws about that. They already have stuff about that, you know, and it's not the case. But he says he wants a federal review of solitary confinement, voting rights restored to former felons, and Congress to pass a sentencing reform bill by year's end. And here are some quotes. In far too many cases, the punishment simply doesn't fit the crime. Usurper told an audience of 3,300 at the NAACP, National Association for the Advancement of Colored Peoples, convention in Philadelphia on Tuesday. And another quote, if you are a low-level drug dealer or you violate your parole, you owe some debt to society. But you don't owe 20 years. You don't owe a life sentence. So this is part of his week-long campaign on criminal justice reform. He said America spends $80 billion a year to keep 2.2 million people incarcerated, adding that American taxpayers pick up the tab for a criminal justice system that, quote, remains particularly skewed by race, and by wealth, end quote. And he said the criminal justice system disproportionately affects communities of color with African Americans and Latinos making up to uh, 30% of the general population, but accounting for 60% of the prison population. He said one in every 35 African American men and one in every 88 Latino men is serving time. Among yeah, white I, men, the number is one in 22. Okay, before you go on, because... I don't want people to forget what you just said there, because the party's leaving out is all those numbers may be true, but it's disproportionate to black communities because black communities are crime ridden. 
That's why they commit lots more crimes. I figured you'd have something to say about that. Well, this is the, just the fact of the matter. Detroit, Michigan, hello? Yeah, where black communities are, there is bigger crime rates. Chicago, well, where hello? Too, where they say it's the gun-free zone or whatever. Yeah, Chicago. I mean, but yeah. the thing is, and do I believe it's because they're black? This is why they commit crime? Because they're black and everybody knows blacks are criminals? No. It's because they're poor. They're on welfare. The government and, created them is the bottom line. Yeah, and they could do the same to you. Yep. Any one of you white boys out there, they could do the same thing to you if you buy in, into like, their load of crap. Cages, you know, and even rats. They, they did a study about this. Somebody posted it in the chat room, and they showed that rats that are crowded in cages, you know, and all this kind of stuff, they act like that. They go crazy and stuff. Yeah, if you if you accept their load of crap, or in other words, if you, if you belly up to the trough where they're serving you slave chow, you're going to be exactly the same way in one generation. And they bring the drugs in, and they put them in those different places where the gangs are and stuff, you know? I mean, that reporter, Gary, I can't think of his last name right now, in L.A. reported on it, and they killed him. Yeah, well, you talked about the crack being brought into the gangs and all that. Well, yeah, and, and so, you know, Obama is, is telling correct statistics, but it's, okay, statistics are like figures. Figures don't lie, but liars can figure, and that's what Obama's doing right now. Your dad taught you that when you were a kid. Yep, he's lying. He's using correct statistics, but he's lying all the same. Because he's not telling the whole truth. He's not telling the whole story. You want to do something about this, you got a lot more work than to work on the justice system. You better work on the education system. You better work on the welfare system. And you better get some jobs back in this country where people could go make a living. Gary Webb is that reporter's name I was trying to think of. You know, I mean, that's where it's at. But meanwhile, while he's talking about this, he's signing away even more jobs in the TPP. I know. You know, so this guy is one bald-faced liar, and he's amazing. I mean, he's, it's amazing that this guy, his well, head doesn't Well, look at him in that, at that fake shooting in Charleston where he did the eulogy. He was acting like he was some preacher, and everybody's calling him Reverend Obama. Yeah, well, And he sang Amazing Grace and said, there's grace for this one, there's grace for that one. They weren't even dead, I don't believe. I think it was a bunch of actors. Reverend Obama from the Church of Satan. Exactly. You know, I mean, that that's what I got. And it sickens me when I hear them say, you know, may God bless America and may God, God bless the United States of America and all that kind of junk. Yeah, which God? Because, because you know, the thing Lucifer is... Lucifer and Satan, it certainly isn't... Well, which Our well, which God? Because Obama's already oh already said that this is not a Christian nation as far yeah. as he's concerned. So which he, God does he, he mean? He said he was a Muslim. He was brought up as a Muslim. I mean, I played vi audio from a video. If you want to see it, go on YouTube and type in Obama Muslim, and the first video that comes up is called um, something like Obama admits to being a Muslim, and watch that video and. I've even read that he wears a ring that says the only God is Allah. Well, I wouldn't doubt it. I know he's got the monkey charms in his pocket. Yeah, he carries those, too, and that's a Hindu charm right there. That's that's really, really bad, according so, to the Bible. So, the way it looks, everything except the true God is good with him. Yep. 
Now, here's a story here, because, you know, a lot of folks in this country, and I, I don't argue with them about it uh, to, to a degree, but that, you know, a lot of the people in control of making decisions and making things happen call themselves Jews. Okay. Now, in Israel, Israel has banned the use of fluoride in their water supply, yet it's all over the U.S. You know, and now it is starting to come under fire by a lot of, uh, you know, in a lot of places. And and I'm telling everybody this because this is something that you should pretty much uh, get around to. uh, This is something in your local area that you need for your, if you're on city water at all, this is something, and I mean at all. You might think, well, that's okay, because, you know, I buy bottled water or I distill my water, and, uh, you know, yeah, the water you drink. What about the water you shower in? You know, your body is, is sucking up the fluoride through your skin. Your skin is your biggest organ. You know, yeah. so you, you can't just say, well, yeah, okay, I'm not drinking it. Well, yeah, great. Then never take a bath, never take a shower, you know. And Don't then go swimming in a public pool. Oh, yeah, definitely don't do that. because In a you know, city where they use fluoride, and then there's the chlorine, and both of those cause cancer. So don't I wouldn't be allowing kids to swim in that if I had kids. And kids just got poisoned recently when they went to a water park, and they went swimming in a pool there, and a lot of them were poisoned from too much chlorine, too. Yeah, uh, and they did this August 26, 2014. Okay? Israel's health minister ordered an end to water fluoridation. That's it. He just said no more. Now, he's been criticized. She has been criticized. But a lot of U.S. experts, it doesn't come as any surprise. Despite safety assurances from the American Dental Association, who profits from fluoridation, because it causes because it causes tooth decay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hello? They say, oh, yeah, let me, hey, rinse your mouth out with this, and we'll see you in a week. Yeah, we will see in a week. everything they use to clean their teeth, too. It's all got fluoride in it. And the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, who have long advocated dumping fluoride into the water supply in the interest of dental health, new studies have made it hard to deny the evidence of long-term damage from fluoride ingestion. Studies that showed lower IQ levels in children exposed to too much fluoride received little attention initially, even as additional research demonstrated a gradual buildup of fluoride in specific areas of the brain. Yeah, it, it didn't get much attention at first until those kids started to grow up and we saw a bunch of idiots walking down the street and going, what's wrong with Johnny? Not only can't Johnny you know read, Johnny can't us? think. Johnny can barely eat his Whether own you food. Whether believe it or not, ADD, I believe, is fluoride poisoning. Well, it might be. That changed when the head of when neurotoxology at the, one of America's most prestigious dental research facilities, the Harvard-affiliated Forsyth Institute, confirmed that cognitive impairment from fluoride appears very real indeed. Yeah, well, there you go. And it goes on and on, man. I mean, it's, uh, you know, there's other things, too. There's all kinds of uh, other problems that happen to people from too much uh, fluoride. Yeah, like the guy that broke into somebody's home that was being tended for termites. They were using fluoride as a chemical to kill the termites, and he died. Well, and it also, now, a lot of people are experiencing this. 
causes kidney damage. You know, over time, because you see, you know, yeah, okay, you probably could get away with drinking a glass or two of fluoridated water and probably not having. Don't eat a you know. tube of toothpaste if you're a kid. Well, no, don't eat, don't do that. My niece's friend died from that. She ate a tube of kids, good tasting, you know, toothpaste, killed her. No joke. Hmm. Well, you know, but I mean, if you do this every day, all your life. Glass after glass after glass, Mm -hmm. it builds up. It is cumulative, as they said here. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it not only brain damage. I mean, everybody knew that. The Nazis knew that, for crying out loud. That's why they fed, you know, that's why they put in the water supply of the... uh, Soviet gulags, the Well, the Polish uh, uh, ghettos is where they first did it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they knew about it. They knew that's why they did it. They didn't do it for what? Do you think they did it for their dental health? They didn't do it for that. They knew what was going on. Uh, You know, so they knew the effects of it short term in bigger doses. Now, okay, the United States figures, hey, you know, we'll just put it in there uh, little by little. But over your lifetime, you know, by the time you're, uh, you know, 30 or 40 years old, you're going to be having kidney failure, and you're not going to care because you're going to be so passive and docile that you're just not going to care about anything. And, uh, oh, it's okay, whatever. Just send me my welfare check. Let me belly up to the slave child table. Yeah, that's it. So, but I think they're already sorting Soylent, Soylent Green. They've been doing that for years. But, curious, but, but curious enough, the Jews have banned it in Israel. Not here, though. So, got to keep the goyim, uh, you know, docile, I guess. Yep, dumb them down, keep them docile. Same thing with soy. That's why they give that to the prisoners and to the population. Well, you know, in you, you know, you got to wonder who the Nazis are, okay? Because, I mean, here we have, okay, the Nazis did this, the Nazis did that. We know that, okay. Maybe they didn't do everything everybody says they did, but they did bad things, and lots of them. So uh, the thing is, okay, so, uh, oh gosh, we've got to jump into action and defeat the bad Nazis. So we do. And then here's a group that says, oh, we were abused by the Nazis, and they end up being just like the Nazis. And so you've got to wonder, well, who's the Nazis in the first place? And then, then... You look in history and you find out, oh, wait a minute. There's a lot of evidence that shows that the so-called Jews were the ones selling out the other so-called Jews to the bad Nazis. What's going on here? Have we been deceived yet again? Well, they brought those Nazis over here to, to learn all their little tactics and, and trauma-based mind control tactics. You know what? And all that. I don't think they brought them over here to learn anything from them. I think they, well, they rescued our population. I think they rescued their operatives. Yeah, of course. You know, is what I think they did. But anyway, that's uh, going to be... A Hitler discu- didn't really die. That's like going to be a discussion for another time. And I think... Okay, here's my thing real quick on Hitler. I think Hitler was an operative. I think he was, his purpose was to destroy Germany, and that's exactly what he did. And he even said so, that, hey, you know, if we can't win, we deserve to all die. So people took that as his dying words, but I think that was his game all along, that, hey, you know what? I'm here to destroy this place, and I think he was. He wasn't even German. Why would he care? Anyway, and plus they say he was one of them. But we got to go. We'll be back again. I'll I'll be back again tomorrow. 
Melissa will be back again next Wednesday with me. Thanks for being on, and Melissa. And Monday. Night. And Monday, your own show. Thank you. All right, folks. Thanks for listening. heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. President and Chief Executive Officer, Walmart Stores Incorporated. CEO of this company because you know it doesn't matter if you're Sam Walton or you're David Glass or you're Lee Scott, when you come to this meeting year after year, you get to say, we had record sales, we had record earnings, we had record reinvestment back into our company. But you know, I say all that, but let me tell you, my friends, you better be ready to be better because today, for whatever reason, whether it's our success or our size, Walmart Stores Incorporated has generated fear, if not envy, in some circles. And that makes it more important than ever that we focus on doing the right thing and doing things right every time. There's two things that we should do. Number one is tell the Walmart story. Get the message out there. 
And the second thing is stay the course. Walmart is too important to individual families who are stretching a budget. We're too important to the suppliers who employ millions of people. We're too important to our associates for whom we have so much love and value so much. And your company will continue to demonstrate our citizenship as a good employer and a member of the communities that we serve so well around this world. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll promise you this. We're going to stay the course. And this company is going to continue to grow. Actually, H&H was started... 1962. Started on Main Street in Middlefield. A little country store that uh, at that time uh, was starting a family and it was pretty difficult to know. It was a big decision. And uh, my brother-in-law and I decided, well, we were going to take that step and we went into business and uh, started in a little one-room building that uh, had a full basement, but we did all the plumbing in the basement, but the upstairs retail area was very small, and we were there for a year and a half to two years, and then we moved on to a larger larger store and a shopping center, and uh, spent several years there, and uh, then we proceeded in 1992, built this facility here. This gentleman here, that happens to be my son. He's been a right-hand man for many, many years. It was much easier to retire in 96 when he was here to take over. One of the biggest parts of our store being out in our rural area is what we call our hardware section. You know, the nuts and the bolts and the nails and all the type of fasteners. That's always been good because a lot of the farmers were always mending machinery and things around the farm and some of the kids that were, you know, kids were kids when I was growing up, you know, in here. Now they've got families and they come in here for the fix-it-up type things. Probably since I was eight, come down on Friday night after, after school, work till nine. You have the car out there? I worked here since I was six. <laughs> Swept or helped customers when I was young, too. At the end of the day, Grandpa and Dad would give us their pocket change. Spent a lot of late nights in here, too, especially when we were building it. for about 7.15 in the morning and I uh, unlock the door. I come in and turn the lights on and, and I get the, the day money for each drawer in the registers and I open up the registers and usually at that time Tom is here and Tom goes ahead and kind of tidies up the front of the store and sets out the American flag and, and the benches for our customers to sit on. And a lot of times the Amish fellows on their way to work will stop here for things that they need for their day's projects and they'll come up and get plumbing or electrical supplies or a lot of times sporting goods. We have a, a busy sporting goods division. John has been preparing for it, uh, trying to change stock and inventory, keeping in mind basically to stay with service. If 
you can't compete in one area, we're going to stay with something that uh, is not offered or that you can compete in. Oh, I've probably been shopping here for 32 years or so. All my needs that I needed for hardware. The mass merchandisers, to a great extent, do not provide excellence in service. I'll use Walmart as an example, and you're really lucky if they have anyone in the plumbing section who knows anything about plumbing. We've been trying to get ready for them for the last probably 10 years. Had a meeting with all the guys, explained uh, the purpose of our job, make sure we do everything right and thorough, explained what Walmart did and what we do and what we can do different. This was brought to us by, by a customer of mine. He's so much against the Walmart movement after reading this book that he wanted to get some in and start passing them out or selling them to, to friends and whatever it cost them. So that's basically, I got a few extra ones. He's, he's taking several and getting rid of them, and I'm doing the same. Well, I, I have never been in a Walmart store. I never intend to go in a Walmart store. I've never had the need, and uh, I've never liked their principles. Uh, that, that's not nice to say at all, probably, but uh, I've seen a lot of small communities crucified and forced out, ma and pa operations that have been in business for years that are out on the street. They just had to close their doors just because of one entity. And it appears that that is their intent to come into a community and force everybody out. They did nothing but lay down the freaking red carpet for them. I know how hard it was for my dad, my grandfather, to build this building on this lot. They went through everything to try to get the commissioners and stuff to allow them to build here. I mean, we had to, you know, they got sign issues, got to be certain size. We had to have make sure we had enough green around the area. I'm all for free enterprise, but when you look at, at the big picture, they're the, the people who own the company are the richest people in the world. Um, so, in reality, I think they could they could spread that out. Uh, I'm curious to see how much they'll actually give back to the community. To even use American with, with Walmart in the same sense, just, just I, I don't agree with it at all. It's, it's like a Chinese company to me, only with American board members. It's not a mystery. They, they come right out on record and said that they don't buy American. And all it's done is give China a better distribution center, whereas before they would have had to find contacts, who to sell to, and, de and develop their own markets. Now they've got a pipeline right in everybody's living room by going through Walmart. I think the government should have more control. You talk about monopolies. If Walmart's not a monopoly, I don't know what is. I'm, I'm not at all in favor of any kind of communism or socialism. I believe that America should always and forever remain free. However, I think that there need to be regulations established wherein, you know, they busted up Standard Oil and they busted up Mop Bill. But Walmart seems to be going on a rampage through the American economy, and nobody's even paying attention. I, I, the logic of it escapes me, and I spend a lot of time thinking about it. Well, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Republican. I'm a conservative, and uh, but I'm, I'm following very closely what's happening with the unions. It used to be that the union wage was something that everybody would look up at and say, "Wow, you know, he's a union worker. He's making you know eighteen dollars or twenty dollars an hour." And I realize that's what we're paying our people. We're, we're not unions. But yeah, I'm all for the unions doing whatever they can do, and you know, whether it be Walmart or Kmart or any any store that's not going to pay a fair wage. I'm a staunch American. I love America. It's the finest, freest country in the world. I'd still, at my age, I'd fight and die for this country. But it seems that there are things going on within this country, particularly from a, a business and economic standpoint, that aren't for the good of the people. 
uh, I mean the people in mass. Uh, you know, a small seg segment of the population is doing well by what's happening, but the greater majority of the people are being made subservient. I mean, Sam Walton, I don't think would be comfortable with the way things are going right now. I don't, I don't think this is why he started the store. It wasn't to, to crush other competition. We, we have people in this town, families who can't feed their children and families who have their, the entirety of their belongings in a car and in a trailer and are spending uh, m most of their life in their car or at the mall because they've been evicted from their homes because they can't find work. They can't find work. And I think there's a lot of people that don't realize there are those, those people in town, too. Right. I mean, you, you say that's in Middlefield, and oh, no, that's... Exactly. That's not the case. Uh, I was dreaming all of a sudden that the people in this town caught on to a great extent, and we were all out in the street protesting. But I think the likely the likelihood of that happening is like we'll probably see pigs fly before that. I put this business plan together that, with the help of hard different hardware organizations and, and people, and I went to uh, several different banks to to check on some funding. And uh, when I got an appraisal on my on the business and, and the buildings, you know, the, the appraiser actually came in and devalued the building. Here, I, I figured it'd be appreciating after like 10 years, and it came in with a, a lower value. And I questioned myself, how can this be? You know, it was inflation, and, and the economy's not great, but still should be at least holding its value. And uh, he said, no. He said. Uh, Anytime a Walmart's coming into a town, they, they knock the values down because sooner or later there's going to be a bunch of empty buildings and none of them are going to be able to sell. Any community on a grand opening is going to see a change, drop in sales. It, it happens regardless of whether it's Walmart or somebody else, you, you'll get a drop in sales. So <clears throat> there'll be a dramatic change of some type. How long it'll last? can't last forever because you just can't stand the overhead if you don't have the business. So something has to happen. And let's hope it doesn't come to that point. But you never know. Well, right now, uh, after we liquidate product. I'm in the process of trying to trying to sell the, we own the building, so I'm trying to sell the building as well as get somebody in here that'll be able to lease too. Um, I've got a couple people on the line right now that um, want to talk to me within the next couple days and, and hopefully we'll work something out. We're going to sell the property and um, you know, I'll be able to pay all my bills and walk away without any debt and that's if it all works out right. And I pray that it will. I remember that like it was yesterday. The hell with it. Walmart by the damn town. You know, we'll shut them down. And we used to drive through towns going, six months, three months, six months of when we'd be closing them. You drive up all the way up to New York City on Route 80. You can pull off at Clarion or any of those towns up there. 
and you'll see a Walmart up on the hill. You'll see a Perkins, maybe a Burger King. And then you'll drive farther into the town, and you'll see a, an empty town. It looks like a neutron bomb hit it. before Christmas and there were 12 cars in downtown Hearn. I counted them, 12 cars in downtown Hearn. That is pathetic. thing for our community. It's really awakened the west side of our town. I think Sam Walton would tell us, just as he did before he passed away, that the number one thing in this company is our associates. And we've got stores that aren't treating associates as well as they should be treated. And, and um, you know, it's a community college. I didn't have much for anything else. You know, I was doing really well, you know. I had a 4.0 average, but life happens, you know. My dad got sick, my mom got sick, and things happened, and it just didn't work out the way I thought it was going to. Right. When I started working there, I had so much pride in my job. I did. Um, I didn't mind being there when they needed me. I didn't mind doing, I knew that we were short-staffed, at that time, I didn't know it was a purposeful thing, that um, that's their intention. They had stacks like this of applications mm -hmm. in the back. They just didn't hire them. Right. And then we're told, we don't know what to do. We don't have the people. We don't have this. We don't have that. And and I really did. At first, I, I was really, I, I felt bad for them. It was like, oh, okay, I'll give you an extra hour here. I'll give you, a, I'll come in early tomorrow. Okay, I won't take my day off. Always having to stay late. You're supposed to work till 11, you're there till 12, 12.30. Keep the number of associates from being full-time as many as you can, keep them as, as part-time as much as you can, and, and just keep reducing that, that expense. Uh, the company doesn't allow the stores enough payroll dollars on their budget to get this job done, and the job is enormous. Uh, this company is rolling in the, raking in the dough in the sales. I mean, my store alone did over $100 million in sales the year that I left. You gotta get up, Having to get up with the kids, Get them just 
getting them out to school after four hours sleep. They, they don't care about what you sacrifice. It doesn't matter how many people lose their families. It doesn't matter if the associates have good health care. It doesn't matter anything other than what the bottom line profit is for that store that month. It just makes it really difficult to have a good family life at Walmart. You know, if you squeeze every dime out of them, you go for it. And it doesn't matter what happens to their families. If they fall apart, they get sick, you know. Out of hell with them. We're troubled by the fact that there are people who work full-time who, in fact, cannot provide enough for their families to live decently. It was just impossible for me to pay my bills and pay for daycare and work. You, know, you should have plenty of time to go into the office. The money that I did get went right back into Walmart. I get my check, have it deposited, go shopping. I had, when I first started Walmart, I had I had my kids on the um, Walmart insurance. It got to the point where it just was too much for me to handle. I just couldn't afford it. I'd have to pay my premiums at work, and then when I took them to the doctors, I still had to pay. I always had to pay a chunk of money. I'm proud of the fact that we have the benefits that we have and that we have the wages we have. People that's making $7 an hour that has to go to a doctor, they're not going to be, be able to meet that deductible. And I have an 18-month-old baby, and he didn't have any kind of insurance. When he was sick, I would have to try and fix him myself, like get a medication myself. If he had to go to the doctor, I would have to take him and pay it as I could. Sam Walton believed that it was inappropriate for an associate with illness in the family to have to worry about how were they going to survive the financial impact. I was under my mom's insurance plan with a, a local grocery store that she worked for. And any prescription it was, it didn't matter what it was, it was $5. And now through Walmart, for that one bottle of pills, I'm paying $70. But I can't afford to put my children on the Walmart shirt because it's, it's too expensive. There's no way I can afford to have $75 taken out of each check just for medical. That's why, because I'm such low income, I am able to get the Medicaid for the kids through Colorado State. But they're a billion dollar corporation, so I don't see why they cannot offer a better medical package for their associates so that we can afford to uh, get our families on uh, uh, insurance. You start weighing, okay, he's sick, we eat. Which one do we do? Well, Let's give him an aspirin. No matter what anybody says, they're at poverty level. I watch so many people go without lunch in the lounges that I stopped eating in the lounges because I just had my managers eating there because I just couldn't stand it. They just wouldn't eat, and we weren't allowed to offer them any money. And uh, there were people I see that didn't eat nothing. They'd take an hour lunch and just sit there. We have full-time employees that worked at Walmart. And they had medical, but the medical was so high, so they had to go out and get medical, some type of government medical. While I was working at Walmart, I was on WIC. It's an excellent program. It saved my life, really, because you got all the formula and cereal and stuff you needed for the baby. And I also went to the Medicaid office. It can be a real hassle having to deal with the offices, but. You know, at least they're there. I'm thankful for the programs that are available, you know. I, it's not a fun situation. It's demeaning. 
I, I, I always heard people say, you know, oh, they're just, you know, there's so many people who just use the system, use it. I can't imagine that because there is no way I would want to spend any length of time having to do what you have to do to get assistance. You talk about using the system. Look at the way Walmart is using the system. They're promoting people to go to healthy kids and mm -hmm. to get food stamps and Section 8 housing and they're the ones that are using the system. Yeah, it's 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 pretty bad when you when you need to tell your employees that all these programs are, 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 available. are available for you because we're not paying you enough money. Retail giant Walmart is encouraging its workers to go on welfare. Instead of paying for its employees to have health benefits, she says Walmart is making the government take care of it. In Florida, Walmart has more employees and family members eligible for Medicaid than any other company. Critics accuse the retail giant of using Medicaid and state programs for the poor as its health care plan. This report from UC Berkeley researchers concludes Walmart costs state taxpayers $86 million a year and county taxpayers as much as another $25 million to pick up the tab for public health care, income tax credits, housing subsidies, and food stamps. Evelyn Dees used to work full-time for Walmart but didn't have company health care benefits. She literally couldn't afford to pay for it. So she turned to government assistance. What the public doesn't understand is that those everyday low prices are based on taxpayer subsidies. Walmart is, is getting away with it because they can. Well, I talked to the regional personnel manager about who was going to take care of the Walmart associates and their health care needs. And he said, let the state do it. Well, the personnel manager told me personally that there's uh, assistance out there for people they should be able to go, go use it. Use your taxpayers' dollars. I had a list of all of the government agencies and all the different places that people could go if they needed money for their utility bills, if they needed to apply for food stamps, or if they needed to apply for WIC or for Medicaid. So your dignity is not there, your pride is not there. You go to work knowing that you're not making enough money to really make ends meet, but yet you got to go with a smile on your face and, and, and fake it. Yeah, that's pretty bad. Come up with some type of health care that a full-time person can afford and don't have to put on the scale health care or feed my family. Why is it that a corporation that in 2003 had an outstanding $240 billion in sales would not provide a livable wage and affordable health care for their employees? There's nowhere around that there's a company that makes this much money and, and, and still turns around and makes their associates go to the state for aid. I think my company takes family very seriously, and they'll help you achieve anything you want. The possibilities are absolutely endless at Walmart.
think of the careers that get started in this company and the difference it makes in people's lives. But most importantly to me, jobs that come with opportunity for personal development. When I first started working at Walmart, I was still in high school. I didn't have any plans to go to college later on. You know, the people that I was working with were just so nice, and, and I just thought that was awesome. My job function as a tireless express technician is performing an oil service to entire changes, battery service, um, stocking the inside shelves, writing up work orders, which is greeting the customer, running the cash register, you know, ringing people out you know, for just groceries that they bought throughout the store, and they want it all done at the same time. All I'm worried about is the one 4% raise a year that you get from Walmart. You know, I've worked there three years, and I've got, I, think, I believe, a dollar seven raise. I don't have good health benefits, and I can't afford to live on my own anymore. Um, and just most of it is the poor treatment from management at Walmart. I don't know, it's just weird. I've always been kind of quiet and shy, and now, you know, I kind of need to stand up for myself and, you know, my community. So I just, you know, searched the internet for a while, and whatever I typed in, it brought up the same thing. You know, I'd type in employee rights, and it'd bring up the union, or fair labor practice, it'd bring up the union. These corporate people in the Walmart Corporation, they don't even really like to say the word union. To them, it's like a curse word. They just say third-party representation is the way they put it. Walmart is very opposed to unions, uh, one of the most anti, if not the most aggressively anti-union company in the history of the United States, just relentless in their in their search for union activity and try to squelch it, kill it. Look at that, we got a few in there. Ed DePontis. Ed DePontis, he gave you a call, right? He gave me a call and he said that he didn't want nothing to do with the, with the union. He said there was no, no, no. I had a worker that came to me with a piece of paper that someone had typed up on the computer in big, bold, black letters that said, we need a union. Uh, no signatures, that's all it said. That in itself is enough to require me as a store manager to go and uh, make a phone call. And the phone call comes to Bentonville. And that afternoon, I had to personally drive to the airport and pick up three guys that flew in in a corporate jet and pick them up and bring them back to my store. We have to do this for the reasons we started it, you know. What they do is they basically walk in and tell the store manager, you're no longer in charge of the store. Every decision goes through us. They taught me how to profile people. Of course, I didn't know that was the term then, and it was identifying people that were the strongest uh, representatives of the petition to organize or at least get a vote. Neither we need the contact still. Possibilities there. You walk up to a couple of associates and they're both talking, they walk away from each other. They gotta go. They're conspiring to do something. Be noisy, be happy, be boisterous. We're here to support folks who are trying desperately to fight against the world's largest richest and probably meanest corporation. The associates in the automotive department were flooded uh, with brainwashing material against the union. I got food by a union, food bags. 
All you need is work at is taking a cut out of my pay. Yeah, take your money and spend it to help in political campaigns. And help people I don't even vote for. Because they know a union is just messing up. But don't take my word for it. She's asking associates working here in the business. I can't get within the store of a fifth feet before somebody approaches me or there's kind of somebody following me around the store. I was never alone. I was followed wherever I went. Truly, the managers would follow me. During the process of intimidating them, they just make their lives miserable. They do illegal surveillance. They put cameras up in workstations, work areas, break rooms. You got a target on your back, and everybody else knows. I got to stay away from this person here because... I can get fired for talking to this person. They're targeting a lot of it at Josh, you know, they're like, because they were talking about Josh being, like, held up on their shoulders and parade around. They're like, yeah, he just, you know, using it for uh, a way to get, you know, like, attention. And, One of their favorite know. tactics is to come out and say, we have to freeze all the raises in the store because we can't appear to be bribing anybody. It was a great political ploy by Walmart, in my mind, to say that's why they weren't getting raises, because some of those employees started putting pressure on the TLE people, Tire Luber Express people, because, hey, we can't get raises because of you. I was, like, so scared to go to the break room, because they made us all go to break together, because it was really dead after that, you know, so we start walking through, and, like, customers and... You know, other associates were like giving us drinks. I was like, I'm not going to sit in that break room. Don't jump me or something. Alicia, just good. Alicia's way good. Yeah. Talked with her quite a bit. And Cody, we know Cody's good. Right. Cody's with us here. Well, instruct the managers to start hiring associates in the store. And what they do this for is to try to dissolve the percentages uh, of the people in the store that are for the union. James. James is another new hire. I'm not sure who that is. Yeah. But you know, th this is this is our store. This isn't their store. We're the ones. We're making the money. We're we're the little worker ants, you know. So what's your prediction? Uh, right now it's at 50-50, you know. I mean, the the few people in the middle are just going to make it or break it Yeah. right yeah. now. I think you lost Alicia. No, I, I've talked with her quite a bit, you know. Uh, she's just, she's just kind of hard to read type person. Yeah, I hang out with her and stuff on the weekends, but she's yeah. she's definitely into it. She's real strong. Um, I just believe it's really just going to go, like, done. Because, you know, Cody's not voting. Ryan's not voting yes. And I'm still kind of, I, I kind of really don't want to vote, but then I kind of have to because, yeah. you know. You're getting all, you know, freaked out because of, you know, what they're saying. They're not going to know how you voted. They're not going to know. All it's going to be is a bunch of numbers right now. So we've got six for a no. Another six, yes. So we've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven on the fence. The company does everything that it can, and that means anything, and they will kill it. They'll kill the campaign. Walmart winning out, as you said, 17 to 1, but the union said... It's not a fair battle. It's not according to the National Labor Relations Act, but when they find that there's a campaign going on, everything that can be done, fair, unfair, legal, eh, maybe not so legal, is done to keep the union out. Uh, 
Walmart was very lucky to acquire two really good companies. But of course they were already unionized. Walmart had no choice. Because of the union, we get 36 days of vacation a year. Usually people take three weeks in the summer, three weeks in the spring. It depends. You can split your vacations into two or three times per year, or even more often if you prefer. My job is very important, and if I have to fear for my job, it's a bad thing, a very bad thing. If Walmart says we're all a big family and we have nothing to hide, everything's great, then I don't understand why the colleagues in America can't have a workers' council, can't establish a union. I can't understand that. Walmart is a career, it's not just a job. Good quality of life, uh, good educational opportunities for my children. It is right for the 1.2 million Walmart associates, including more minorities and more seniors that work in any other company in America. Walmart offers the right job at the right time in their lives, and it gives them a step up that economic ladder. My name is Edith Arana. Um, I live here in Southern California. Um, I have two girls. I go to school to be a preschool teacher. I worked for Walmart for six years. They explained to me the different things they offered and the type of company Walmart was. I said, that's the company I want to work for. I always found it um, rewarding to me to help the customer find what they were looking for. I could work wonders. <laughs> Do more with less. I know the true meaning of do more with less. Uh, they want the associates to do more, and they're going to pay them less. They would come in the office or on the floor. It didn't matter where you were working. Um, they would say, well, you know we have no overtime. There is to be no overtime whatsoever. We may have five baskets of clothes that need to be, and merchandise need to be put back. You may have 30 minutes left on your eight-hour shift but we need those baskets put away. And they usually do it with a smile. You would go along with it because you needed that job. And there was no ifs, ands, or buts about it. They would let you know one way or the other, if you can't do it, I'll just get somebody else to do it. You are not a person that cannot be replaced. And you know, we're hiring all the time. And in your mind, you go, look, I got these kids at home. I, I just have to make that sacrifice, and you will. They are asked to work off the clock with the implication that if they don't work off the clock, that is what is expected at this particular store, they are going to lose their job. And they do it as a matter of survival. And it comes from the top. Walmart is fighting legal battles with scores of former employees in 31 states. Hourly workers who say the company has cheated them out of hundreds of millions of dollars in overtime pay. The Walmart Corporation paid approximately $50 million to settle an off-the-clock class action suit in Colorado. In Texas, it is estimated that they cheated workers out of up to $150 million in unpaid wages. Our policy is that we pay everyone for every hour worked. Hey, the CEO of Walmart, that's the best he can do? If you work here, we'll pay you. That's it? Work at Walmart. It's better than getting kicked in the nuts. Our district manager actually explained to us how to cheat workers out of overtime. 
He said, this is how you can come in on your payroll budget for this week. He said, if you had, let's say, three workers that had overtime, maybe an hour or even 20 minutes over 40 hours. He explained to us how to go in the system under a false user ID uh, to get into the computer and move that time to the next week. I've seen managers go in when someone worked uh, 41, 42 hours and change it to 40 hours. The people that are struggling to just live on the basics every day or do without need that extra minute or two on their paycheck. And those are the ones that are victimized the most. I'm not the only one that did it. I've seen every manager except for one general manager do it. Walmart refuses to follow the very American ethic that has served the country well for many years. People should be paid for the work they do. Walmart currently faces lawsuits in 31 different states for wage and hour abuses, potentially involving hundreds of thousands of workers. As a store manager, you're responsible for reducing your expenses every single month. And the only way to do that is to keep the associates' numbers down. I'm just getting about 19 hours a week, and that's just, you can't pay bills for that. I mean, it's just, it's not right at all. If you're not getting those full-time hours for that week, that's devastating. It may help them on their bottom line, but it doesn't help you at home. When it comes to jobs, we have good jobs. 74% uh, of our people are full-time. Most people in America don't know that. Although most people in America also don't know Walmart considers full-time employment 28 hours a week, which their starting wage works out to under $12,000 a year. INS agents arrested 250 undocumented workers in 61 Walmarts across America. He was working from 9 p.m. to 7.30 a.m. He was locked in stores and the cold leave store until the store manager come morning. Walmart is paying $11 million to settle federal allegations that used illegal immigrants to clean its stores. I'm stunned that they would employ illegal immigrants. Very stunned. You're stunned they hire illegal immigrants for nearly no pay. Lady, you just bought a sweatshirt there for 29 cents. Walmart, the world's largest retailer, could be facing the largest lawsuit ever brought against a private employer. Lawyers suing Walmart will file their motion today, and if a judge agrees, the company could be facing a class action lawsuit for discrimination against 1.6 million current and former female employees. I had no idea about the lawsuit. And there were people in my store that had no idea about it also. Members of management that are in the upper echelons of Walmart management talk about how women at Walmart are useless. I have done receiving manager. I was operation manager. I was merchandise manager. So it's like I kind of did it all. I cleaned the bathroom every single day. Ken would come to me and he'd say to me, oh, it's, you know, it's your turn again. And I look at him. I said, oh, it's my, it was my turn yesterday. Well, you know. And he'd laugh, and we'd joke about it, and we'd go back and forth, and I'd say, I know, I'm the only female that's working out here, so hence, I have to clean the bathroom. Nobody said, well, why a woman's been in this company? All of these years, you look at the evaluations, every general manager stated, she should be a GM within a year, within six months. 
every evaluation. What's wrong with this picture? The company uh, hides the fact that these practices are very systemic. They're, they're systemic, meaning that they come out of the home office. Bottom line, if you were a female, you just weren't worth it. You just were not, you, you weren't worth the time, you weren't worth the money, you weren't worth the effort, nothing. A blind man. My grandmother was blind. She could see better than what you guys could see because you taken the, you put the blinders on. You didn't want to see. Um, when I called, I called um, to file a petition or to file a claim against them just to say that they discriminated against me because I was a woman. I'm a Walmart associate. I love working at Walmart. I love that they pay me less than men because that means I can't afford to eat as much and I get to keep my figure. Jim got promoted to management over me, but that's okay because he's a cutie. You go get him, honey. When I applied for the assistant manager training program, I didn't get any response back at all. I went through everything I had done for my store manager and I'd done it like you would do a checklist. Said you told me to do this. I did it. You told me to do this, I did it. He agreed on it with a nod, and I said, so now I want what you promised me. And he just bluntly told me, there's no place for people like you in management. And I said, well, what do you mean people like me? And I said to him, I said that I'm a woman or that I'm black. He said, well, two out of two ain't bad. Yeah, I was called milk boy. Uh, nigger, you know, at this particular store. Uh, there was an incident where this this one guy's bicycle, they they hung it up in the ceiling and put a rope around it, you know, literally put this, lynched this guy's bicycle. This is what they said. But I complained because it was, uh, to me, it was offensive and uh, it was unacceptable. What happened after that? Nothing. I don't know if I was more devastated than humiliated, but in my mind, the way I love people, I just couldn't see another person, maybe they're not strong as I am, to be able to take that. This woman walked through the hallway and said, any, meeny, miny, mo, catch a nigger by the toe. I reported this incident. Nothing happened. If you complain about discrimination, They'll just let more people out on you to see if they can really work you out of there or whatever. And that's basically what happened to me. I just got tired. I start going backwards in my mind of all the different stuff. And it start clicking and clicking. And the more I thought, the worse I felt. Because I felt to myself, you're an idiot. How could you have not known? I was devastated. The time that I spent on those roads, I could have been at home with my husband. Um, but I wasn't because I was doing my end of what Walmart promised me. If you do this, we will do this. And it was not worth my husband's life. And the worst part about it is, is that nobody will ever know how big this is, what happens to people. And there's, there's got to be more people like me out there but they're too afraid to say anything. I love my job. <laughs> it's challenging, but it's really satisfying. 
We truly are living the American dream. It's out there, and uh, it's at Walmart. Great citizenship also means that we're going to support the communities that we're in through our charities and the organizations that exist there. You know, I, time I was born, counting Hoover, I have lived under about 30, I think 36% of the presidents of the United States. I, you think about that. Hoover and Roosevelt, Truman, Eisenhower, Kennedy, Johnson, Nixon, Ford, Jimmy Carter, Ronald Reagan, Bill Clinton, Senior Bush, and Junior Bush. So there's uh, 13 presidents out of uh, 43 I've, I've lived under. We came here in 1959 and started the IGA store, which is independent grocers. We had approximately 150 employees. And on these 150 employees, uh, uh, the full-time employees had, uh, and that was a great number of them, had full coverage on uh, in insurance, health insurance. Uh, we also had a 401k pension plan that they really appreciate. You know, in, in small family-owned businesses, you, d you do become attached to your employees, and, and they're very important to you. We always had tried to have a Christmas party or a Christmas dinner where all the employees came, and we'd close the stores. Yeah, and every day after school, I'd get off the bus and run up to the store. Cause we lived a couple of blocks up from it. The baler that we use here is a baler that was left over from uh, when we closed down the stores in the late 90s. I don't believe it's fair the way that, that Walmart can come in with the funding that they get to put their sewers, infrastructure, roads, parking signals, ingress, egress, etc. in uh, compared to uh, what the independent retailer gets. Uh, no, I don't, I don't believe it's fair. Well, certainly it's not fair, and I think um, he at one time did go talk to them and Cameron and say, if we're going to run a business here, can you help us? Well, no, they couldn't do that. I don't think it, it, it's fair to help them to, to build roads for their business. And on, at the same time, the, the store open puts others out of business. The competition that we're up against is really was, has caused the problem as much as the, the competition being helped by our government from one level to the other. They get all the breaks. Walmart's coming in and running us out. We know you helped them or you gave them tax abatements. Will you give us a tax abatement? And no, they couldn't do that. So the, you know, the county nor the city would do that. And of course, everybody knew it was unfair, but what can you do about it? Maybe, well, there's nothing you can do. On sewer, water, any of that stuff, as far as I know, we never received one dime from the city, county, or or any place like that. If you tell them that you 
don't want them in your city limits. There's been nothing to stop them from buying five acres out here outside the city limits, plopping their building down, hooking up to rural water, and having all the negative effects on the city and none of the positive effects. It was a super center in Cameron. It took about 40% of our business in Cameron about a third of our business here in Hamilton and Brookville, it, it took over 50% of our business just overnight. It's hard to make those payments with a wholesaler having problems at sales. <laughs> so everything just kind of culminated in everybody having problems. To pay the employees, well, you used the cash from the inventory, and then you didn't have any inventory. In the process of uh, all this, I had to uh, borrow money to put in the stores and with the farm as collateral. It went down from there, so we had no recourse but to, to just close them up. And it was uh, 40 years of hard work that uh, seemed to disappear all, all at once. It uh, wasn't a very easy um, thing to adjust to, but... Uh, and now, you can see Irvin's still saddened a lot. It certainly wasn't what he planned. But we had a lot of good times, so, you know, he did a lot of things. He knows lots of people, and they respect him, and so I don't know what else you're going to get out of life. I'm going to close that store, and that was a Sunday morning, and, and uh, I'd went down to open, and Just Yeah, I remember coming down the stairs and sat down on the couch and mom told me and I started crying. Like a family member, we were there every day and it was a big part of our life. It was probably my favorite place. I liked being there. They wanted it for me. And I love the death for it. And but, you know, they wanted it for me and my family. And if Walmart still gains ground and uh, have a monopoly, where will our families and where will our children be and what will they have to do to work and to, to be competitive in, uh, in 10 years that the spiral is going? It, it could be very, very serious for the nation. It, it might happen that way now, and I hope I... I hope it don't for our children's sake, but it, uh, it can, be, can be real serious, be a revolution. Uh, I won't say it'd be a civil war, but it'd be a revolution. <laughs> and I don't think anybody wants that. and I'm a fourth and fifth grade bilingual teacher in Denver, Colorado in the Denver Public Schools at Newland Elementary School. And Walmart received subsidies of about $1.7 million. And with that $1.7 million, our Denver metropolitan area, uh, that, that could have kept the three schools that we just closed down this spring open. I'm Monica Jefferson. I'm a speech language pathologist 
and I work for Special School District of St. Louis County. Walmart receives over $31 million in subsidy from the Missouri government. Cathedral City made a $1.8 million investment, but because of Walmart's lies and not stepping up to the plate with their commitments, we're short on policemen, we're short on firemen, We've eliminated the recreation division of the city. We're not able to provide the services to our residents that they need and deserve. And we're going to have lives hanging in the balance because we're not going to be able to provide these services. My name is Charles Hossey. I've been a fourth grade teacher in Washington State for many years. When I think of the uh, million dollars that Walmart received for its distribution center and what we could have done there for students, uh, it's outrageous. Taking revenue away from our community that will have a direct impact on our ability to continue to provide some level of service. In Illinois, Walmart has received $100 million in subsidies and that has affected our school systems. That money could go into our school systems to rehire all of those support teachers that we need back, the support personnel. We could have our school psychologists back, our social workers back, our counselors back. We could pick up and these programs are being cut because Walmart has received subsidies. Now, what we're facing currently is that Walmart and Sam's Club, which are the same people, for all intents and purposes, have, in fact, for business purposes, decided that they are going to leave our community. And not moving 20 miles away, they were moving two miles away. Not very far away. In fact, one is being built within, right on the property line of our city, which we still will not receive any benefit from. Just outside the city limits. So just as we were about to begin to receive 100% of the sales tax revenue from that deal, we found out that we'd been the chum. Do you end up with a vacant building of the size that most businesses can't fill? So you have a huge building uh, that sits vacant for months and years. at Walmart, we give back $5 every second to the communities we serve throughout the holidays and all year long to make the season and every day a little brighter. You know, responsible citizenship also means looking out for the environment. We can make a difference in this area of sustainability. One of the most exciting things about a Riverkeeper organization is working with the public. And we have a lot of volunteers that volunteer to keep their part of the Catawba River. Because the Catawba River is dammed 11 times and has 11 lakes on it, we have lakes with codes. And so we call our volunteers code keepers. And these code keepers work to safeguard, protect the Catawba River. Essentially, we did an investigation and we visited um, about seven Walmarts in the Catawba River Valley to see what their environmental practices were and judge whether their current environmental practices would have an impact on the drinking water of the town of Belmont. And what we found in every single case is that Walmart had a practice of storing herbicides, pesticides, and fertilizers in the parking lots. What concerned us most about this particular case was the proximity of this Walmart and the creek running right by the Walmart site. And that creek empties right here at the intake site. For me, when I'm out on the pool and on the river and there's a drinking water intake right there, what I know is that there's a mom somewhere who's at a kitchen sink and she's putting 
water in a bottle to make formula for a baby. And that baby is drinking. The labels on some of the herbicides and pesticides said this product known to cause reproductive harm by the state of California uh, and birth defects. These pallets with bags and bags of this material, many of them broken and busted and spilling on the pavement, Every time it rained, all this material was washing right into the stormwater and eventually making its way here to the Catawba River, the source of drinking water for almost two million people in the region. So we began calling Walmart to really express our concern about these chemicals making its way into the public drinking water. And they gave me a name and a phone number of somebody in Arkansas, a headquarters to call. And that person, when I talked to them, it wasn't the right person. They said they didn't think they had an environmental um, person that was in charge of handling environmental affairs, but they would try and find out. Yeah, and get back. They never called. So again, I called back, and I, this time I called their attorneys. I called the person, the contact name they gave me. I called their attorneys and said, "Look, I'm not getting any answer from anyone at corporate Walmart, and because I haven't, I'm going to start a weblog. And every contact I have with you, I'm going to put on my website and report what your response is." And if there's no response, that's what's going to be on our website. And so that's what I did. Two or three days later, they still didn't call back. We then sent them the law. And I elevated the rhetoric and said, it appears to us as if you're violating the storage laws. We are getting ready to contact our attorney. Still, no one called. Finally, the attorneys from Walmart who had testified in the hearing gave me the name of a person that they thought was their contact. I finally reached that person at Walmart headquarters in Arkansas. And um, he said he had just started the job. He had been in training for the last two weeks, and he didn't know what to tell me. So at this time, I started calling the news media and asking them to do a story. We got a great local news station here in Charlotte, North Carolina, that responded on camera showing these pallets and pallets and pallets of chemicals, herbicides, fertilizers stored in the parking lots right beside the stormwater drain. It ran in the morning, the noontime, the six o'clock, and the evening news on that day. It just so happened that the Walmart manager for the local story where most of the video was shot that had 81 pallets of this material out in the parking lot saw the story. Called his regional manager first thing the next day and said, you won't believe what I saw on the news last night. And for all his stores in the region, he had them pull those chemicals from the parking lots and put them undercover. As I read the case history and all the environmental fines, and particularly the consent decrees from the Attorney General's office ordering Walmart to establish better environmental protection, what flabbergasted me most about the lack of corporate response is their apparent disregard for these consent decrees and that they hadn't taken them very seriously. It's only the local guys. I can say in my history as Riverkeeper, I don't think I've ever encountered a corporation, be it a power company, an oil company, as unresponsive as Walmart. Wildlife conservation is very important to me, but it's really exciting when a company like Walmart makes it a priority too.
great relationship with the Chinese government. They have treated us uh, very fairly in, in what they have done. They actually, much like in the U.S., they hold us to a higher standard, higher standard of sanitation, higher standard of employment. My name is Wang Dekui. I'm 21 years old. I'm from the Shanghai province. My family plants corn, patties, and potato. I wanted to earn some money so that their life could be easier. At least, I didn't want their life to be too hard. They would work from dawn till night. They would begin to work on the farm at daybreak and wouldn't get back until night. I thought about working in the factory when I was in middle school. At the time, I thought that it would be interesting and exciting to work in the factory. I left my hometown on April 29th this year and then began to look for a job in Shenzhen. At that time, I had a friend working in that factory who also came from my hometown. So I went to see my friend each day at the factory gate, which is just in front of Wen Yi's room. My name is Wen Yi and I come from Hunan province. He heard my dialect when I was talking with my friend. Then he spoke with me using the same dialect. He asked me where I was from. I didn't tell him the truth. I said I was from the Shangqing area. He served for the army in Shangqing for a couple of years, so he can speak the Shangqing dialect. That's the way we got to know each other. My girlfriend and I work in the same Walmart factory. She works in the old workshop and I work in the new one. I am on the night shift and finish work at 7 in the morning. She begins to work at 7.30 each morning and works overtime until 10 p.m. We don't have much time to spend together, but whenever there is an opportunity, I'll cook some delicious food for her. We like singing karaoke, shopping around and buying some little things. In that way, we feel more relaxed. Most of the time, we go to karaoke, sing songs, and listen to music, and we get in a good mood. room outside and cook by ourselves because the meals offered by the factory are really disgusting. However, the dilemma is whether you live in the dorm that the factory allocated or not, they always deduct the rent from our wages. You have no choice but to live inside. If you're going to move out of the dorm, the factory will tell you, you can move out and we will not charge you electricity or water, but rent will still be charged. You see, if we live inside the dorm, we pay not only the rent, but also the utilities, which is charged by how much you use. There are very few fans installed in my current workshop, 
It's extremely hot inside. If they plan to install a new fan, then the others will tell us that we can only have one fan or the fans that are there. In my working position, there is no wind at all. Can you imagine? I'm sitting there and dripping with sweat all day long. My body never gets dry. Walmart informed the factory that it was going to send people here for the inspection, and they will tell us how to lie for the inspector. For example, the workers must respond as though they worked six days when asked how many days they worked, even though they actually worked for seven days. Then we workers don't dare to say anything wrong because we're really afraid of being punished by managers. Walmart informs us in advance and has a meeting to teach us how to lie. If you lie well, you'll be rewarded. If not, you'll be punished or fired. The worker is given a fake pay slip, and they never let you have the chance to speak out the truth, but threaten you to deliver false information. We really work day and night in order to get the wage of less than $3 a day. My mom wants me back home because she feels it's too toilsome, but I don't think so. Everybody else here has the same situation as me. If they can do this, I can do it also. I always think about my mom when I'm very tired. That would be wonderful if she could be here with me. She takes care of me very well when I'm sick. She'll let me have a good rest and cooks anything that I'd like to eat. She's really very nice to me. I would respectfully like to ask the boss of Walmart to give the Chinese workers some consideration and a chance for a little time off. Customers of Walmart, when you wear expensive clothes, when your children play with high-quality toys, think about China and the Far East. Those profits you made and the wonderful life you have are the sweat and tears and overtime working of Chinese people. If one day I encounter a lady who just bought a toy from Walmart, I'll say, respectable customer, respectable Walmart customer, do you know why you can buy such a cheap toy from Walmart? That's because we workers work all day, every day and night. new jobs around this world this past year. Good job. <laughs> jobs and benefits, jobs that will have profit sharing and retirement savings accounts for our associates. But most importantly to me, jobs that come with opportunity for personal development. 189,000 young women in Bangladesh who are sewing garments for Walmart. These workers are getting up at 5.30 in the morning. They brush their teeth with their finger using ashes from the fire because they can't afford a toothbrush. Forced to work from 8 in the morning until 10 o'clock at night, 14 hours a day, 7 days a week on these wages of 13 to 17 cents an hour. These are women who are hit by their supervisors, trapped in utter misery. As the largest company in the world, Walmart sets the standards that other companies are going to follow. 
So Walmart right now is sucking down standards all across the world. These are workers who have no rights. The outlook for this company today is very positive. In every country that we operate in, the Walmart model works. Because once your associates know that you will stand up for what is right, then when they see a wrong occur, they're more likely to contact you. And we have a very aggressive program underway to make sure, and have had now for the last couple of years. I was a global services manager uh, for Mexico, Central, and South America. My job function entitled three things. Uh, oversight of all factory certifications, which means you go in there and you make sure that they're humane working conditions. Big deal with the factory certifications is to make sure that the workers are in a clean, safe, humane environment. When I was in the factory and you know you talk to the people and the people were so nice and they were so good and they were just working for so little money and without any you know, condition of fairness whatsoever uh, with their compensation and their working conditions. I went back to my hotel room and just wept the first time. And, you know, after dinner, I had picked up the phone. I was calling my wife and just telling her what I'd seen. And then, you know, I just started crying about that. You know, telling her. She was like, it's going to be all right. You know, and I'm like, oh, I know, we're doing the right thing, but, you know, I just I couldn't imagine it was this way. I thought that a company like Walmart, once we started reporting the truth of what was happening in the factory, would take quick action to try and make the working conditions better. I believed in the mission and the culture which I thought existed at Walmart. I led more Walmart cheers than just about anybody that I know. Didn't even mind being the squiggly. I mean, if you would have cut me, I would have bled Walmart blue blood. I didn't know that we weren't gonna make it the goal to correct the violations. And I didn't think that any retaliation would be brought against me for doing my job. I now I realize I was pretty naive, but just didn't occur to me that Walmart would do anything except for the right thing once they were faced with the truth. I kept going into other factories and seeing the same things over and over again. And it became apparent to me that this was not an isolated issue. All you got to do is follow the money and the ones who are in power right now have tremendous pressure on them to perform like never before. The system was designed to keep the goods flowing to the United States. When push came to shove, they did not stand up and do the right thing. What really happened was they were getting fired for telling the truth about the factory certifications. And that was shocking. It was embarrassing, ripped my heart out. To have all of that ripped from you and then to get sold out and lied to, Walmart let me down and when I needed somebody to look out for me, even though I was trying to look out for Walmart for years. 
want to make sure that our suppliers comply with local country codes, with uh, human rights standards, that people are not underage, that they're paid well. So it's time to show our pride to let America shine. Made in the USA, it means something. Made in the USA means a job for somebody. But we've made it our policy to find more U.S. suppliers who can compete. Because American goods mean American jobs. At Walmart, we pledge to support America's sources whenever we can. So you can too. If we keep our prices low and raise our average wage substantially, we would in fact decrease our profitability disproportionately. And we would sacrifice a healthy chunk of what it is that our shareholders expect from us. It is written in the New Testament, the love of money is the root of all evil. This does not say that money itself is evil. The fact that I shared a room last night with Tom Showy, our CFO, while we were in New York, saved $200. The fact that my dinner was $10 last night save money you shall not steal doesn't this teach us that keeping everything for ourselves is a form of stealing or are we commanded to help those less fortunate to find enough to eat today i want you to know however that five members of that family uh, uh, together are worth $102 billion. The widow and four children have in the last 20 years emerged on the list of the top 10 wealthiest people in the United States. They could easily take 10 billion of that and see to it that every employee of Walmart in the United States has health care, adequate pension, and adequate wages. Well, Walmart, after the 9-11 attacks on the World Trade Center and Pentagon, they, they uh, apparently decided that they needed to have a, a bunker. There's a facility for the Walton family uh, in case of an apocalyptic attack, uh, a residence that they can live in and reside in in case uh, they had to do that. There's a helipad behind the facility back there where they can come in by helicopter, and there's satellite uplink uh, dishes back behind the facility. And most of it is underground, as you can see. You can't really see much from the gate, which is all fortified. Faith means nothing at all if it does not involve us in loving one another as neighbors, in compassion for the poor. When you hear these bells at Walmart, do you remember the people they're ringing for? They remind us of our friends and neighbors who could use a little help. That's why at Walmart, we give back.
throughout the holidays and all year long. Of course, the most important beneficiary of this store is our customer. It's the customer who lives in that neighborhood. I was actually selling cars for about six months. But, but prior to that, I actually had my own business. I was doing uh, wood refinishing on boats. And I actually did quite well at that. So I'm getting a little too old for that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if I was going to go through all that I went through, I want something to come out of it, you know, something good. There was a truck to one side that had a camp shell, and there was a van to one side. I thought, you know, I've always said, you know, you don't want to be in a spot where nobody can see you. But I thought four cars faced from the front door, and I thought they had security outside. I thought, okay, well, I should be fine. And uh, when I got out, two, there was two of them. Uh, unfortunately, he caught me. I got outside, but he caught me, and that's when I realized he had a gun, because he had a gun in the arm that was holding me. And that's when they told me, get back in the car, I'm going to blow your head off. The year before, when I worked at the phone company, we had a safety meeting, and it was around Christmas time, and it, they had the sheriff's department out there, and they were talking about if you're ever in a parking lot, and this happens, what to do, don't go with them. If you go with them, you're likely not going to live, because I guess statistically, that's what happens. They'll kill you. That's what first went through my mind, is that, I'm, yeah, I'm not going to survive this. Um, sorry. Um, so that's why, you know, the decision to jump out, because I thought, you know, I want to either chance or I want to choose, you know. And I didn't, because I thought they were going to rape me, too, when he said he didn't want the car. I thought they were going to rape me. Um, so when they find, they got me back in the car after looking at the gun, I just kind of resigned to, you know, like I couldn't, there was nothing I could do. And I just kind of went, you go kind of cold inside. This is the parking lot where Laura Tanaka faced her attackers. Inside the store, Walmart had more than 200 security cameras and four security guards on patrol. Outside, there was nothing. The police did recommend on-site security and that there was none. That They had assured the people of the neighborhood that they would provide um, security and make sure it was safe for the neighborhood, and that wasn't done. It was evident that Walmart knew they had substantial problems in their parking lots. Walmart was aware that the majority of the crime throughout the state occurred in their parking lots, despite the fact that 80% of the crime occurred in their parking lots, they had done almost nothing to protect the customers in the lots. Rape, murder, kidnapping, all of these shocking allegations, and they come from Walmart shoppers. Report of a Walmart parking lot attack. Tonight, North Texas police are on the hunt for a would-be kidnapper. A violent attack in the parking lot of an Orange County Walmart. At least one man tried to carjack, rob, and shoot a woman. Who shot and killed 33-year-old Mark Karenik in the store's parking lot. A bold and deadly shooting. It happened this morning at the Walmart. Taylor's woman is recovering tonight after fighting a thief in a Walmart parking lot. 
A man is arrested after a tire iron attack. It happened in a parking lot of this Walmart. The two teenage workers shot while gathering carts in the parking lot yesterday at this Glendale Walmart. It happened at 1.48 this morning in the Walmart parking lot in Riverdale. She turned to run from the subject and was shot in the back. Walmart has conducted research on crime in its parking lots, and critics accuse the company of a nationwide pattern of covering up that research, of failing to turn it over in lawsuits. Here's what Walmart did not want to show. As early as 1994, as you can see in this internal document, a Walmart study showed that 80% of crime at Walmart locations occurred in the parking lot. And when the company added roving patrols at several sites, the crime rate dropped to as low as zero. A district judge in Beaumont tonight is fining Walmart stores $18 million. Judge James Mahaffey is sanctioning Walmart for what the court believes was a pattern of deception. It involves the case of a southeast Texas woman who was sexually assaulted and raped in the parking lot of Walmart. The court found that Walmart did not disclose that it had conducted a safety study. A study that found if Walmart would put employees in golf carts patrolling its parking lots, crime there would drop to zero. Judge Sherilyn Wood heard a case against Walmart in Houston, Texas in 1999 involving an assault in a Walmart parking lot. She says that in 17 years on the bench and over 25,000 cases, she's rarely seen such flagrant abuse of the system. It was very disturbing to see such uh, an, an intentional course of conduct. It was corrupt. She's charging Walmart with cheating in court, and she's not the only one. This is one judge. Is there something in the drinking water in Arkansas that says perjury is all right? Another judge. Rarely has this court seen such a pattern of deliberate obfuscation, delay, misrepresentation, and downright lying. True. Unfortunately for the customer, they really don't care what goes on after you spend your money in there and come out into the parking lot to go home. Police found Holden shot to death along the side of a road in Stanton, Texas, 400 miles from where she was abducted. Megan was uh, very special. We grew up together. We lived together. She's really, really going to be missed a whole lot because she has a lot of people that love her. She was just a very sweet person. Recently, before she died, she, um, we were in her room l listening to a CD, and uh, we were singing together, and we could just be open with each other. We didn't care. Police say Megan Holden was chosen at random on the way to her pickup truck in the Walmart parking lot just before midnight. After that crime was caught on surveillance video, police say Williams, a Marine veteran with a history of drug offenses, sped off in Holden's truck heading west where he apparently murdered the 19-year-old junior college student and dumped her body near some railroad tracks in the West Texas town of Stanton. I just think that there's a lot of things Walmart could have done. There should be somebody watching the cameras. Somebody should have been watching the cameras. Walmart has those cameras out there in their parking lot, and I thought that they were watching. A security camera without someone watching it is of no use at all. The abduction and murder that happened in Texas happened at a store where the loss prevention team was sent in to set up a security system outside that would track the union activity in that store. 
And the only reason that they had the pictures that they did was because they had the union package on the outside of the store. Walmart focuses on protecting their property and not their patrons. When a multi-million dollar company, can you pay somebody $12 an hour to watch a camera? If people are putting profits before safety, they're putting profits before uh, human life, I don't think there's anything you can say to them. A man is suing the Walmart in Newcastle, saying his mother died after a botched robbery attempt in a store's parking lot. The random Dale shooting Bergman happened here, that three people are dead and three others injured. The shooting happened right in the middle of a busy shopping day. At least one man tried to carjack, rob, and shoot a woman. In the Walmart Report of a Walmart parking lot attack. Tonight, North Texas police are on the hunt for a would-be kidnapper. A bold and deadly shooting. Shooting random Texas. Random shooting. Kidnapping and killing of a Walmart stores has a responsibility to society to make sure that what we do fits in and represents what it is society expects from a big company. We need to figure out how do we in fact work together to cause them to want to have a Walmart. On December 6th, there was an article on the front page of our local paper and it said that Walmart was going to build a super center on the corner of Queen Creek and Alma School, which is just a very short distance from my house. And this particular location was within our planned community and it was within walking distance of an elementary school and a junior high school. And I felt that it was an inappropriate location for something of that magnitude. So I decided to form a, a campaign and say no Walmart in our neighborhood. has taught us, we begin to transform the world. This transformation is visible in the reading that we have from Acts. We're really trying to show why the work that we're doing is the work of the gospel. The lesson we learned in Inglewood is that we have the ability through our democracy to take power and take control and actually hold big companies accountable. As a nation in this world, the most powerful, the most affluent, we have the power to make sure that all have what they need. That this is not some pie in the sky vision, but instead that this is our call as Christians to make this happen. One of my neighbors and I went and handmade some little posters and we decided that we were going to have a meeting in the local park, which was about a block from here. We had no idea how many people would show up. We were absolutely amazed and all of them wanted to do something. In the beginning, it was only a few of us. Not a lot of people came to the meeting. Only some supermarket workers and a couple of churches, remember? And then little by little, more people until they started feeling the pressure. They wanted to build the Walmart on this whole parcel. It was going to be 215,000 square feet. And there was going to be... Walmart was going to 
take this whole space, it's like 17 football field space. And they were going to build one big box that was Walmart, and then little stores in between, and then another big box that was Samsung. volunteered to do the various chores that we had. And then we solicited what I call a core committee, and that was a group of people who would be responsible for the strategy, the press releases, everything that needed to be done to organize our campaign. So then the coalition started getting bigger and bigger, and before you knew it, everybody felt like if they were a part of a coalition for a better Inglewood, they weren't standing up to defend the community. And I think the other lesson learned in Inglewood is that there's no kind of magic potion to suddenly click this, put this together, and suddenly you're going to win. It's a hard process. There are a lot of things that you have to put in place, um, but when you put those things in place, you can win. It includes the ability to organize regular people, small business owners, workers. We got our message focused. We hammered away on the phone, hammered away on doors. People saw us coming and going when they went to church. Every time they went to a store in Inglewood, there was a, a flyer about our, our effort. We held rallies. Includes legal strategy, enough resources to have the research, to be able to make your case, to be able to have the materials. It includes the ability to get at your message through the press, uh, to do media events. Volunteers, and we had block captains, and we had area chairmen. We proceeded to gather signatures on our petition, and we started out with 1,500 signatures. And by the time we got through, we had 4,000 signatures, and they were all from people within our what I call our area code. Inglewood is the first test for Walmart's ambitious plans in California, and activists say the stakes here are huge. This is like Godzilla eats Tokyo. This is much bigger than David and Goliath. All of the information that was coming from Walmart kept saying it's a done deal. There's nothing you can do about it. We have our zoning. Um, don't waste your time. But we knew better. Then we had numerous public meetings to let the public know what was happening, what the status was. It is not like they came into the small towns in the south or towns that have no business and they brought in business. No, 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 this is something completely different. They represent from Bentonville, Arkansas, plantation capitalism. The future of this community depends on our ability to stop the monster in its tracks. Walmart sponsored the ballot initiative after Inglewood City Council opposed building a Walmart supercenter on the site. Today, Walmart opponents charge the initiative, Measure 4A, hijacks the city's planning process. It is 71 pages of legal fine print that seeks to cut the community out of its own development process. What they did was essentially tell the city of Inglewood, get out of here. We are the biggest corporation in the world. We can go in and essentially buy an election. We held public meetings. We did our letters. We held private meetings with city council members. We were out on the street and doing the work to ensure that people understood that to those who much has been given, much will be expected. I'm sure the Walton family believes that they're a good Christian family. Not if they're going to make billions at the expense of poor workers. And I'm sure there's a lot of 
people that think that they're good Christian companies. Not if they're going to make money off the backs of people who are suffering. A lot of people sacrificed an awful lot to have all the freedoms that we have. And that flag to me represents all of our freedoms. Our freedom to fight Walmart, our freedom to live where we want to, work where we want to, have a say in our government. They can say and believe whatever they want about, you know, trickle-down theories of capital and whatever else, whatever other nonsense they want to invent to hold on to their capital. But um, then as Christians, we don't have that option. That's not our option. That we're not about capital. That we're about people. We came before the city council for the final vote, and the council voted 6 nothing to deny Walmart and Vestar, the developer, the right to build the store on that property. Residents of Inglewood, California, are voting today on whether to approve the construction of a new shopping development dominated by Walmart. That night, we gathered at a local restaurant, hoping for a miracle, but braced to go back to court if the measure passed. And now, the votes are coming in on a proposed Walmart Superstore in Inglewood. This small group of people took on a giant and won. City Council in Monroeville, Pennsylvania, handed Walmart their hat today. Walmart packed its bags in Cobb County, Georgia. North Carolina. Walmart the road. Anti-Walmart candidates seek the Helotus, Texas election. Another trip down the long and dusty for Walmart, Belashi, Mississippi. When you have a group of people, a small group of people, who don't want you in a community, does I mean you're not going to go there? Thornton, Colorado, defeated Walmart. Walmart loses to Plainfield, Illinois. Las Vegas, Nevada, defeated Walmart. When Walmart defeated Walmart defeated don't want you in a community. Walmart loses to Charlevoix, Michigan. Walmart loses to Chicago, Illinois. Walmart zoned out. Victory, Colchester, Connecticut. Success, Centerville, Utah. Victory, Harrison, New Jersey. An anti-Walmart slate was elected to city council in Deptford, New Jersey. Voters rejected Walmart in Lebanon, Pennsylvania. The Walmart man defeated in Glendora, California. Walmart beaten in Medford, Oregon. science 
Fluoride science is DDT science. It's asbestos science. It's tobacco science. It's a racket. In July of 2004, Christopher Bryson sat down and discussed the findings of his new book, The Fluoride Deception, with Paul Connett of the Fluoride Action Network. The Fluoride Deception was published by Seven Stories Press in May of 2004. The book is based on nearly 10 years of research by Bryson, an award-winning journalist and former producer at the BBC. In this interview, we asked Bryson to introduce us to some of the important individuals and institutions which have played a role in shaping public policy on the toxicity of fluoride and the purported safety of the controversial water fluoridation program. In 1993, I was working at Rockefeller Center in New York as a radio producer for the BBC. And the, I got a call from uh, London. There was a local uh, water fluoridation battle in the north of England, in Leeds. And the producers, it was a daytime radio show. You and Yours was the name of the program. And the producer said, Chris, what do you know about fluoride? What do the Yanks think about fluoride? Is there an American angle? And it was a very you know, uh, familiar request to me. Is there an American angle to the story? And I said, look, uh, I don't know fluoride from a hole in the wall. I have no idea uh, 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 about fluoride. But let me make a few phone calls and see if I can't help you out. And I, uh, my first call was to Ralph Nader in Washington. Uh, and I'm not sure why I called Ralph Nader, but it, look, it was a consumer issue. And uh, Mr. Consumer Ralph Nader, I thought, let's give, uh, give him a call. And I, I got through, and he said, look, I don't know a great deal about water fluoridation, but I've never had terribly good feelings about it. Uh, here are the names of a couple of scientists uh, you ought to speak with. Uh, and he gave me the names of Dr. William Hersey, uh, who then and now uh, is a chemist at the Environmental Protection Agency, and uh, Dr. Robert uh, J. Carton. Uh, Bob Carton had been with EPA, but at that time was then over at the U.S. Army. And I went down to Washington and met with uh, Dr. Hersey and Dr. Carton, and they explained to me that the water, f the, the safety standards for water fluoridation in this country were based, are based on fraudulent science. Fluoride defenders will say there's two stories. There's the industrial story and there's the dental story and ne'er the twain shall meet. It's not true. The stories are braided uh, very tightly and very profoundly and they're braided uh, from the beginning. The very first suggestion that fluoride be added to public water supplies uh, was made by a researcher, Gerald Cox, at the Mellon Institute in Pittsburgh. Uh, Cox became interested in fluoride because of the suggestion of Francis Freire. That's the letter I uncovered. Francis Freire is the uh, director uh, of the aluminum uh, laboratory for the Aluminum Company of America. He is con very concerned about fluoride pollution around aluminum plants. He's uh, very concerned about what the fluoride is doing to the, uh, the workers inside these aluminum plants. But his suggestion to Gerald Cox is to look at fluoride's dental effects and it's upon the basis of that suggestion that uh, Gerald Cox makes his proposal to add fluoride to public water supplies. Right at the very source of the stream you find the aluminum industry.
Cox's suggestion that we add fluoride to public water supplies needs to be understood for who was saying it and where he was saying it and what the track record of the Mellon Institute was. The Mellon Institute was a, a leading defender of asbestos for the asbestos industry. You know, today, industry are facing a tidal wave, a crippling tidal wave uh, of lawsuits from people who have been, had their health uh, damaged, been killed by uh, asbestos. Well, for generations, the Mellon Institute uh, produced research that said that mesothelioma was caused by something other than asbestos. That's how you have to understand uh, the fluoride issue. Industry was concerned about fluoride pollution and about lawsuits of a similar magnitude for fluoride pollution. So it's no coincidence that the Mellon Institute makes the first suggestion that fluoride be added to public water supplies. It's, it's quite astonishing, Paul, uh, the degree to which environmentalists have not been educated about fluoride. You know, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm a reporter, I'm not a scientist or a doctor. You know, I'm quoting documents, I'm citing lawsuits when uh, I refer to fluoride as a major uh, industrial air pollutant. In fact, the leading air pollutant uh, in the aftermath of the Cold War. Those are not my words, that's not my opinion. That's a quantitative assessment by industry experts of the scale of the lawsuits that they were facing. You know, the most notorious air pollution disaster in U.S. history was the uh, Halloween uh, air pollution incident in Denora, Pennsylvania, a, a mill town south of Pittsburgh, where a couple of dozen people and several thousand were injured. Uh, because of effluents coming from a U.S. steel plant, which are trapped by a temperature inversion. Uh, in the aftermath of those deaths, uh, a, a researcher, Philip Stadler, a chemist, Philip Stadler, investigated. He did blood analysis, and he measured high levels of fluoride in the blood of some of the uh, injured and the deceased. He published that data along with data which found high levels of fluoride in vegetation and a lot of uh, other uh, circumstantial evidence indicating fluoride poisoning. Sadler published his uh, research in chemical and engineering news, but the Public Health Service came in and said that uh, fluoride wasn't responsible. It was a, a mixture of air pollutants and bad weather that had caused the disaster. Well, I uncovered a memo, Paul, uh, a memo from the Aluminum Company of America in which they had secretly gotten blood from one of the deceased and their measurements were almost exactly the same measurements that Philip Sadler found. Laundering fluoride's role in the Denora pollution incident is really emblematic for what has happened for the last half century and an accounting for why environmentalists don't know their own history. Denora jump-started the environmental movement but environmentalists don't know that Donora was almost certainly caused by fluoride. The book is, uh, looks very hard at uh, the role of a key scientist, Dr. Harold Hodge, uh, in the uh, fluoride debate. Dr. Harold Hodge, for most of the Cold War, was the leading 
uh, scientific defender of the safety of low doses of fluoride and the beneficial effects of water fluoridation. Dr. Harold Hodge, a distinguished toxicologist on the Rochester team, has carefully investigated the safety of fluoridation. Well, to put it very simply, fluoride <coughs> is safe <coughs> at one part per minute. No scientist's word was trusted more by the uh, health establishment than Dr. Harold Hodge when it came to fluoride. Uh, he was a very senior figure and operated at the highest levels for almost all his, his scientific career. And this brings us back to the, to the fundamental point. Fluoride is safe. And I think I can say in conclusion that there is no health hazard that justifies postponing water fluoridation. Harold Hodge we now know was the uh, a co-orchestrator of the human radiation experiments in which citizens in hospitals uh, in Rochester and in Oak Ridge were injected with plutonium uh, by scientists under Harold Hodge's direction. And there's a whole book written about that. That's right. We know about Harold Hodge uh, in part because of the work of investigative reporters such as Eileen Wilson who won a Pulitzer Prize for uh, discovering the names of the people who had been injected with plutonium. Harold Hodge's name surfaced in, in that book and surfaced in the subsequent, subsequent presidential uh, in inquiry into the human radiation experiments. You join the dots. If Harold Hodge and the University of Rochester are injecting people with plutonium and uranium and at the same time they are reassuring us about fluoride safety, what's the connection? was the connection. Howard Hodge was the chief toxicologist of the Manhattan Project, the group of scientists and engineers who developed the atomic bomb in World War II and the early years of the Cold War. Hodge was responsible for investigating the toxicity of many of the chemicals used in the production of the atomic bomb, and one of the chemicals of major concern was fluoride. The Manhattan Project needed enormous quantities of fluoride to make nuclear weapons to make the, the bomb that uh, was dropped on Hiroshima. So the Manhattan Project were concerned about fluoride toxicity. The, the documents that I uncovered with Joel Griffiths in the files of the Manhattan Project and the Atomic Energy Commission are very clear and very explicit. The toxicology department at the University of Rochester, which was under the direction of Harold Hodge, was asked to come up with medical information that could help the government in lawsuits in which the United States Army and the U.S. government were being charged with fluoride pollution. As has now been revealed by declassified government documents, the publication of scientific information 
collected by Atomic Energy Commission scientists such as Harold Hodge that could increase the chance of litigation against the bomb program by workers or downwind communities was forbidden. If water fluoridation was found to be harmful, then the U.S. bomb program, as well as many other fluoride-polluting industries, would have been open to massive litigation. So, there's not a hope uh, that Harold Hodge would ever say that water fluoridation was dangerous or that fluoride in small doses was toxic, because if Harold Hodge were to say that, it would have pulled the rug out from under the U.S. Army and from under the, uh, the project to build nuclear weapons. People who know the history of, of, uh, of medicine and science in this country, you know, the Kettering Laboratory was at one time one of the largest private laboratories uh, dealing with issues of toxicity. Uh, it was a very well-funded laboratory, and its director, Robert Kehoe, was a very senior figure in, in the public health establishment. Today, we know Kehoe's name best for his career-long defense of the safety of adding lead to gasoline. Kehoe spent a professional lifetime from his pulpit at the Kettering Laboratory assuring the nation that uh, lead added to gasoline was entirely safe. Uh, of course, that's been thoroughly discredited. The toll of health injuries, of neurological injury, injuries to children alone uh, is, is, from adding lead to gasoline is, is almost incalculable. And, uh, you know, for that, we really can thank uh, Dr. Robert Kehoe. He, he soldiered uh, on Lead's behalf for his professional lifetime, and he did so being paid by uh, the Ethel Corporation, who were the makers of tetraethyl lead. The same job that Robert Kehoe did laundering Lead's image on industry's behalf, he did for fluoride. Kehoe, along with Harold Hodge, was uh, a leading defender of fluoride safety in the workplace, and he also was a leading promoter of water fluoridation. Robert Kehoe and the Kettering Institute, on behalf of industry and the National Institute of Dental Research, compiled an extensive bibliography of abstracts on fluoride toxicity and the role of fluoride in public health. This work was funded by Alcoa, the Aluminum Company of Canada, the American Petroleum Institute, DuPont, Kaiser Aluminum, Reynolds Metals, United Steel, and many other corporate sponsors, as well as the National Institute of Dental Research. If you go into the files of Dr. Robert Kehoe at the Kettering Laboratory, you'll come across the existence of a, of a uh, hitherto unknown entity known as the Fluorine Lawyers Committee. And, uh, and Kehoe worked uh, for the Fluorine Lawyers Committee at the University of Cincinnati, doing their bidding, uh, providing ammunition to the Fluorine Lawyers Committee so that they could defend their corporate clients, Alcoa, DuPont, Monsanto, uh, the U.S. Steel, uh, against fluoride lawsuits.
in Robert Kehoe's files, there is a, a, a medical study which was a state-of-the-art $100,000 study in which Beagle uh, dogs were given fluoride to breathe uh, in conditions which approximated the working conditions for men and women in the aluminum industry or in any fluoride industry. What happened to that Beagle study? The Beagle study, Paul, found that fluoride was profoundly toxic to the uh, laboratory animals. The Beagle dogs who breathe fluoride six days a week, just like workers, had stupendous lung damage and damage to their lymph nodes. You'd think that someone would have given that medical information to America's doctors or to the workers who were going to those doctors asking why they had emphysema. No, the study was given to the Fluorine Lawyers Committee and it was buried. The book makes clear for the first time uh, that the selling of fluoride to the American public was done by the, the best in the business, by the father of public relations, Edward Bernays. Uh, Edward Bernays is Sigmund Freud's nephew, and he was a Machiavellian genius, uh, small in size, yet cast a towering shadow over the 20th century. Uh, Bernays understood that there was a liberal sentiment coursing through the 20th century, and that if you could hitch your commercial wagon to, to, to that uh, uh, star, then you could make your clients a lot of money. In 1916, Bernays had suffragettes march in the Easter parade in New York City holding cigarettes as torches of liberty. And uh, he, he, he cooked up that scheme on behalf of the American Tobacco Company and, uh, and, and its director, George Hill, who was paying Bernays' uh, uh, salary. Uh, well, my book uncovers correspondence between Bernays and the National Institutes of Dental Research. Uh, Bernays was asked to come to Washington by the NIDR to help create their PR campaign to sell fluoride to the nation. Bernays understood that people have an unconscious trust in their doctor or their dentist, and if you can persuade doctors and dentists that fluoride is safe and good, then you're, you're, you're uh, able to reach the rest of the nation. People believe they're doctors and dentists, and that was a way of promoting fluoride for Bernays. Very few dentists are aware that the fluoride in public water supplies is a pharmaceutical grade product. It is in fact an industrial waste. It's the uh, waste from the Florida phosphate industry. In the 1950s, the Florida phosphate industry was being sued by farmers and citizens living near those plants because of the fluoride that was killing their cattle, destroying their crops. You know, the Florida phosphate industry today is prevented from having to dispose of its industrial effluent in a toxic waste dump by the device of shipping that in tanker trucks around the country and dumping it in our water supply. From the beginning, opposition to fluoride has been uh, equated with uh, you know, believing the earth is flat or being against the United Nations. Opposition to fluoride is equated with quackery or, or, uh, or paranoia. Uh, and in fact, that's, uh, that's really a media smear. In 1950, the Public Health 
endorsed water fluoridation. Almost immediately, there was a national movement against fluoride, and that was led by Dr. George Walbot. We should all know George Walbot's name. Uh, he was the first physician to warn of the dangers of allergic, fatal allergic reaction to penicillin. Now, Walbot warned, was one of the first physicians to warn of the dangers of emphysema from smoking. He saw in his own uh, surgery, in his, his practice in Detroit, Michigan, uh, that people were coming in with these uh, ailments, unexplained ailments, whether it was back pain or gastric distress, uh, muscle fatigue, uh, headaches, uh, and he figured out that it was low-dose fluoride. That, as with a lot of drugs or chemicals, there's a small subset of people who are uniquely allergic to the chemical, and Walbot realized that it was fluoride, and he performed uh, a whole series of double-blind experiments uh, where people were given fluoridated water without knowing it, and the symptoms recurred. And very quickly, Walbot's name, rather than being seen as this giant of public health, committed to safeguarding public health, uh, somebody who had warned us about penicillin or uh, tobacco, suddenly George Walbot becomes this marginal fringe figure who uh, is, uh, is criticized for his opposition to fluoride, and that's something that takes place again and again and again. Speaking out as a doctor or a dentist against fluoride is, is, is the third rail. Uh, it's, it's fatal to your career. Uh, we don't know George Wolbot's name because he was smeared by the Public Health Service for his opposition to fluoride. In the uh, 1990s, the senior toxicologist for the EPA's Office of Water said that the cancer tests that had been done uh, on fluoride, where laboratory animals were given fluoride, uh, he said that those results had been gerrymandered, that in fact the equivocal verdict that fluoride was a carcinogen ought to have been much stronger. He said that uh, fluoride given to rats had produced bone cancer and liver cancer and that those results had been doctored to make it look as though fluoride hadn't caused as much cancer. business looking at studies of this nature for nearly 25 years and I've never seen that never ever seen where every single endpoint that was a cancer endpoint had been downgraded I'd seen one or two endpoints argued over usually on a definition of what is a cancer in that particular tissue but I've never seen every one of them downgraded I found that very suspicious Marcus was fired Dr. William Marcus was fired and a federal judge ruled that Marcus was fired because of his outspoken opposition to fluoride. The first two chapters of the book are, relate the story of Dr. Phyllis Mullenix at the Forsyth Dental Institute. She had helped invent a new technology for studying the neurotoxicity of chemicals. Uh, it was called the Computer Pattern Recognition System, and uh, in essence, uh, Dr. Mullenix's uh, technology uh, took uh, photographs or video of animals uh, which had been given a chemical in small doses and then used computers to analyze uh, the patterned behavior or the disruptions to patterned behavior when the animals had been given uh, that, that chemical. 
while Mullenix was brought into the precise dental research center to study the, some of the chemicals used in dentistry, and she was asked to study fluoride. And Phyllis Mullenix said, uh, I'm not wasting my time with fluoride. Fluoride's given to children, it's good for children, it's been down, around for donkey's years. I'm wasting my time by studying fluoride. Uh, but she did as she was ordered. And, uh, and Phyllis Mullenix found that fluoride in very modest doses produces effects in laboratory animals resembling attention deficit and hyperactivity disorder. The pattern that we saw it typically is what we see with other neurotoxic agents that are well known to cause a hypoactivity or uh, a memory problem or an IQ problem. When I first presented the results of these studies, um, one of the uh, individuals sitting and listening to the results, he says, do you have any idea what you're saying? And he says, you're telling us that we're reducing the IQ of children. And basically I said, yes. She went from being an industry-funded, leading neurotoxicologist at a Harvard-affiliated research institute to being a voice in the wilderness. She has not received any grants uh, nor any academic position as a research scientist since her opposition to fluoride was made public. The Center of Disease Control says that water fluoridation is one of the top 10 public health achievements of the 20th century. How can citizens deal with something like that? A question authority. You know, for years and years and years and years, the public health establishment told us that lead in gasoline was safe. We know today that children's brains were damaged, were injured by uh, the addition of lead to gasoline. Uh, you know, the implications of this new documentary evidence, the implications of these buried medical studies which are, which are now in the public domain as a result of my book, as a result of uh, you know, the medical work that's been done by people like Phyllis Mullenix, uh, the willingness to speak truth of uh, toxicologists like William Marcus, the implications uh, of that research, uh, of these new findings, is that something is terribly, terribly wrong and we have been led very far astray and it's time to change. But that change will only come as a result of uh, bravery, as a result of the willingness to invest time. You know, I, I think it's time to, to speak up, to speak loudly, to get organized and to fight for change.
375-4188. Listen to Financial Survival with your host, Melody Cedarstrom, on American Voice Radio Network and Shortwave Radio. Visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. For the very best in gold and silver trading, call toll-free 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Call now. I'm Alfred Adisk, and this is Financial Survival for Wednesday, the 15th day of July, year of our Lord, 2015. Melody is bye-bye today. She's not going to be on the program. Wendy Wilson will be joining us shortly from thepowerherbs.com. First, here's the market report. Gold is down $6.50 to $1,149.30 per ounce. Silver is off 29 cents to $15.19 per ounce. Platinum is uh, down $4 to 1025 Palladium is down 12 bucks. <clears throat> Pretty good hit. $644 per ounce. Over in the equities, let's see what we've got. Dow Jones is down 23 points to 18031 NASDAQ is off uh, 11 points to 5,094. New York Stock Exchange is down 39 points to 10,954. U.S. dollar index is up 0.50 to 97.14. Crude oil is down 1.61 to $51.43 per barrel. What we're seeing with these prices <clears throat> are, on the one hand, irrational lows, at least in some instances. There have been a couple of reports that have been up on the Internet. People in positions of, I don't know, where they have knowledge. They, they understand what they're talking about. And they're reporting that the price of gold and silver are irrationally low at this point. They're undervalued. And that signals that this is that buy-low moment. You know, this is the time when you jump in there, but it's hard to do because nobody wants to buy when everybody else is selling and the price appears to be going lower and people are concerned, oh, my gosh, how low can it go? Now, I'm not saying that this is the absolute bottom, but I'm saying that we are close to that. And the reason has to do with the dollar increasing in value over the last 
15 months as measured on the U.S. dollar index. The reason has to do with deflation. We talked a little about it yesterday. We might talk about it some more later in the program. Um, but what we're seeing, you know, $15 silver. Are you kidding me? I mean, that's people. Somebody is just giving their silver away. Let's see if Wendy Wilson is here. Wendy, are you available? Hello, Wendy? Wendy is not here. Wendy Wilson is not here. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's, that's the producer's fault. Frank, the producer, is to blame because our guest is not here. Um, ringing, 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 not getting an answer. So apparently I'm going to have to conduct the balance of the program au naturel. Right? Just, just me. Uh, we're talking this this problem with deflation. Deflation makes the dollar worth more. And therefore, you can buy fewer dollars are required to buy a given item. And the prices of items, of commodities in particular, and of stocks and bonds, tend to fall during a period of deflation. The fall is not uniform, but that's the fundamental force. Prices are going down and... The flip side of that teeter-totter is the value of the currency is rising during a period of deflation. People will gravitate to dollars, and they'll say, yippee, I'm going to get out of stocks and get out of bonds, and I'm going to get into dollars because the purchasing power of the currency is rising. And they do all right with that. But here is the problem from my perspective. Deflation is bad for borrowers. Anyone who's bought a home in the last 50 years has heard someone tell them that you'll be able to, you can take out the mortgage and you'll be able to pay it off with cheaper dollars, meaning that we will live in an area of inflation. The inflation will reduce the value of the dollar. And although you might borrow a quarter of a million dollars for your home, by the time you're done with it, you'll be paying it off in dollars that are worth only a fraction of the value of the original dollars. You'll pay off $250,000 plus interest, of course, but the purchasing power of that $250,000 at the end of 30 years is going to be much, much less, a fraction of the purchasing power of the original $250,000 that you borrowed. It's easier to pay off. Inflation favors borrowers. Borrowers borrow money. They go out and stimulate the economy because the loans are cheap. You can pay it off in cheaper dollars. Deflation works just the opposite. You are paying off your loans with more expensive dollars, more valuable dollars, and this can put you into bankruptcy. And therefore, people are less inclined to borrow and therefore less inclined to spend, and deflation tends to destimulate the economy. It tends to slow it. It tends to push the economy into recession and on into depression, and deflation is usually a hallmark of an economic depression. Deflation is bad for borrowers, and the biggest borrower in the world and the most indebted entity in the world is the government of the United States. And I've talked about this, hammered it a number of times, and I don't doubt I'll hammer it some more before the world comes to an end. But the United States government is badly served by deflation. And from my perspective, one way or another, They have to end deflation, and they have to do it fairly soon. 
They're going to get, get back into inflation, which favors the debtor, favors the borrower. Government is the biggest debtor in the world. It needs inflation. It's the reason why we've had inflation for 50 years or more. And we don't have it right now. We see signs of deflation. And as soon as that deflation ends, if it ends, if and when the deflation ends, at that point in time, the gold is going to start jumping back up. But until the government creates significant inflation, we're going to have a problem here. We're going to be down at a bottom. We're going to be at or near a low, and we're going to probably stay there until something is done to change the uh, change the climate from deflation back to inflation. So, what else have we got to talk about today? Let's. Uh, uh, let me see. I've got here's something. Here's something from Reuters. The headline is, IMF threat to pull out of Greek bailout challenges Germany. Now, after all we've seen and heard in the Greek drama or tragic comedy or whatever it is, who would have thought that once something like a deal, at least the basis for a deal, is reached, the IMF would step up and say, wait a second, I don't think I like that deal. I think it's a bad deal, and I don't think we want to participate. And yet that's what appears to have happened. The IMF, after all of this wrangling and you know, psychodrama and the rest of that, um, the IMF's monetary fund has threatened to pull out of bailouts for Greece unless European partners grant Athens massive debt relief, posed, uh, and that poses a stark challenge to Germany, the biggest creditor. Now, they just finally got this thing, where finally it looked like a deal, and out of the blue, here comes the IMF, says, uh-uh, I don't think so. They don't want to participate. Its latest intervention, saying in essence that Greece will never be able to repay its debt mountain, is bound to sharpen the debate when the German parliament meets uh, on Friday to decide whether to authorize negotiations of a third bailout for Greece since 2010. They've had two bailouts in five years. They're running, they're wrangling for a third one. It looked like it was going to take place. Greece has capitulated and said, okay, we'll do all the stuff you want. We'll go for austerity. We'll do whatever you creditors want. And then the IMF says, wait a second, this is not going to work. And the IMF might be right. In fact, I think they absolutely are right. But their argument is that the grief debt is too great to ever be repaid. Um, and therefore, this is a bad deal. Whatever is being proposed right now, whatever might be agreed to, it makes no difference because Greece can't possibly fulfill the terms of the agreement. Insofar as the coming agreement uh, uh, that may be agreed to by the Greek parliament late tonight, early tomorrow morning. Insofar as that agreement goes through, it becomes kind of silly because the debt is too great to ever be repaid. Greece says, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll pay our debts. Yeah, but they can't. And that's what the IMF is essentially arguing, that the debt can't be paid, and therefore there must be massive debt relief. 
And according to this article, it says the IMF's debt, uh, debt sustainability analysis may force Angela Merkel, um, German prime minister, within months to choose between two far more unpalatable options, grant massive debt relief to Greece or see the IMF walk away. The report's conclusion that Greece handle needs debt relief on a scale that will that would need to go well beyond what has been under consideration to date makes it harder for Angela Merkel to argue that Germany will ever get much of its 57 billion euro exposure back. Germans are on the hook for 57 uh, billion euros that they have they they have loaned that much to Greece. And Greece isn't going to pay it, and the IMF is saying they're not; they can't pay it. And the IMF is even saying beyond that, you know, the agreement they reached, the, the tentative agreement, the preliminary agreement that they re, re, reached just in the last couple of days, was that there would be no debt relief. That Greece would agree to pay everything, every dime that was loaned, and the IMF is saying no. Not only is it true that there's got to be debt relief, there's got to be more debt relief than has been previously contemplated in any of the negotiations. Well, that means this thing is, I, I, you know, this is a no-go, this is a no-starter. And the article here, again, from the, uh, who is this from, Reuters, to avoid big write-downs, deep upfront haircuts. That means uh, uh, deep. They talk about haircuts, and as mostly you know, what it means is the creditors have to agree that instead of, they loaned them a billion dollars, they have to agree they're going to say, okay, we'll we'll settle for only five hundred five hundred million. All right, we'll 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 agree to lose half of our money, but we got to get something. IMF says no, you got to give up more than half, huh? And to avoid big write downs. Uh, Greece would have to give would have to be given a 30-year grace period before it starts servicing or repaying all European loans, present and future, or large fiscal transfers by the eurozone. Meaning, they've either got to just hand Greece more money so it can pretend to pay its bills, or they have to agree to a 30-year delay. Hmm? What does that tell us? Greece has had two bailouts in the last five years. They're looking for a third bailout right now, and they can't pay the, according to the IMF, they won't be able to pay the debt. They've got to be able to give a period of grace 30 years, meaning Greece can't pay its debts for 30 years, if then. And they talk about giving it a, uh, a grace period, but what it will actually be is a 30-year farce period during which time we'll pretend that, one, Greece can and will repay its debts in full, and two, German loans to Greece are still performing rather than worthless. It's all about telling and maintaining some lies to conceal a fund, couple of fundamental facts. First one is that Greece can't and won't ever repay the majority of its existing debt. A 30-year farce period, not a grace period, a farce period is simply a recognition that, one, Greece won't ever be able to repay its existing debt for at least 30 years, and probably never, and two, Greek creditors can't admit that they've lost 345 billion euros that they'd loaned to Greece. They don't want to admit that. And that's, that's, well, that's why we're going through this little drama. 
it's not just everybody knows Greece can't pay. <clears throat> but that's not the problem. The problem is that the Greek bonds, are, are, I suspect, the problem, I suspect, is that the 345 billion euros in Greek bonds are being used as collateral in fractional reserve banking for other investments in, in Western Europe and perhaps around the world. Here in the United States, fractional reserve banking rate is a ratio of something like 1 to 10. For every $10 that you deposit in the bank account, the bank holds one in the vault, and they lend the other nine out to uh, your neighbors. It means if you come to the bank and I come to the bank and everybody comes to the bank at the same time and wants their money, they've only got 10% on hand of what we have deposited. In Europe, I've heard that their fractional reserve ratio can run up to 23 to 1. I don't know what it is for Greece. I don't know what it is for uh, I don't know what it is for Greece per se. I don't know what it is for Germany, but we can we can speculate that the 345 billion euros in Greek bonds that are being held uh, by Germany primarily and others and other entities. But these have been used as collateral at a ratio of 20 to 1. Now, maybe the ratio isn't that high, but if it was, we'd be talking about if the Greek bonds, if they admit that the Greek bonds are worthless, and the Greek bonds are roughly the total debt right now is remaining debt is something like 345 billion euros. If they have to admit that the bonds are worthless, they may have to pull in 20 times that which would be about seven, I think it translated into seven trillion euros would have to be pulled out of the European economy. Now, that's not necessarily true. It, it could be that much. It'll be several trillion. And I think that's part of why they can't admit that the bonds are worthless. And so we go through this bizarre little drama uh, where Greece can't pay, won't ever pay. Everybody knows they're not going to pay. And yet, we continue to pretend that Greece will pay. And as long as we can maintain that pretense, we can pretend that the $345 billion worth of Greek bonds still have value. We don't have to pull 20 times that much in. It might 20 times maximum. Probably wouldn't be that much, but say 10 times we'd still be talking about over $3 trillion. That's a big hit. And where it goes from there, there's no telling, but this is probably why everyone is trying to maintain this little uh, drama, this pretense. Um, the existing Greek paper debt instruments are about as worthless as Confederate paper dollars. There's the truth of the matter. Why does the fiction uh, Greece will pay its debt persist? Again, uh, the consequences may be too great to be endured. Um, the creditors holding Greek debt instruments, who knows, they might be able to sell them. They might find some fool who will buy, hey, hey, I have a special 10% off on Greek bonds. Who wants to buy? Hmm? And the answer will be no one. What's going to happen, what's already happened, if anyone has the courage to face the facts, is that Greece has been default in default for five years now. And it's going to continue to be in default until we finally just admit they can't pay the bill. And when we admit that, we destroy the bonds, the bonds become worthless. Um, 
you know, it's a lesson for everyone who holds paper debt instruments. We're going to take a break for some commercial announcements. I'll be back in a moment on Financial Survival. I'm Alfred Addis. Please stay tuned. Aspirin mistake. Aspirin was discovered by mistake during World War II and suppresses your immune system and prevents blood clotting. Don't expose your body to risk when you can use a natural inflammation and pain reliever called Extra Strength Pain Relief by Apothecary Herbs. Discover the power this formula has with Salicin to enter the system in 60 seconds to work hard and relieve pain for 12 hours. Whether it's arthritis, sports injury, or flu, you can relieve aches, pain, and swelling with our Extra Strength Pain Relief Formula. Call Apothecary Herbs now, toll-free, 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the three www.thepowerherbs.com. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, and Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971 when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.